it is the first CSP of the new year. Happy 2022 to all of our loyal listeners. We hope you're having a happy and safe one. Uh, among other things, this means it's an end to the tortuous period of the show where I try and do a Santa voice <laughs> theme intro thing. That's that's back in the old holster for another 11 months. Lucky you. Um, we are coming to you with another New Year of Chair Shot podcast action. Uh, we've got all your favorite guffs coming up as well as our very special annual uh, uh Hallmark special quiz with Scott the Boy McAvoy, you've got to look forward to. Uh, I am one of your hosts, as always, Barry Murphy, joined as always with my ever defendable hosts. First of all, we've Joe Town. Hello. And second of all, we've Paul Griffin. Happy New Year, everybody. Pressing his little buttons over there, just working away, making it all go. Uh, how are we doing, lads? It's first, first one of the new year, first chat, proper chat we've had since Christmas. Uh, how are we all doing and how did we all get over the festive period? Doing good. I just remembered that this is our New Year, or is it not our New Year's, it's our uh, award show. And I all, I have all my awards written on my tablet, so I have to run get it quickly while you guys talk about <laughs> All right, Joe, how was your Christmas? Christmas was wonderful. Um, not like majorly notable. I mean, it's, it's been kind of similar the last couple of years where it's a bit like, do you go out? Do you mix with other people? Is it just a quick sort of run out on Christmas Day to to see the family? But um, yeah, kind of as as normal as it could be. So it was it was good. Um, few few notable occurrences. Got a very nice gift from uh, my lovely wife Michelle. The Insider's Guide to Inside Number Nine, um, which is a book that goes kind of goes into a lot of detail actually behind every every episode that they've done uh, up until the kind of last but one series. So that was a really nice book. I've been working my way through that. I also started listening to the There's an Inside Inside Number Nine podcast as well. That's actually I didn't realise it's actually hosted by the guys that make it. I thought it was just like a BBC oh, thing with a couple of fucking jabronis on there, you know, <laughs> waffling away. I was like, oh, I'm not interested in that. <laughs> then I realised it was actually them, so I've been, I've been listening to those as well. So that's so really good. Um, we did another wonderful uh, Christmas jigsaw this year. We're getting very into our jigsaws, a thousand pieces. Uh, we nailed that on on New Year's Day. Uh, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, so that was a lot of fun. We did think that we'd lost a couple of pieces. Turned out they were actually in the pile. We just uh, couldn't find them. That was good. Um, other than that, all we really did was kind of went out to a couple of um, cinema trips, um, which I'll talk a little bit about in, in the film, in the in the uh, movie review. Um, but the only notable one is we went to see West Side Story in uh, London's Leicester Square. And this is kind of a, a sequel to our Popeyes uh, visit. That I mentioned like a month or so ago. Stuff. Yeah. Um, so in in Leicester Square in London, there's a Jollibee's, which is a kind of American Filipino style restaurant that does they do a strange combination of things. They do fried chicken, burgers, spaghetti, uh, some other kind of Filipino, American Filipino inspired stuff. So we, we went there. Um, we kind of walked past it just before we saw the movie and there was like no queue outside, didn't look too busy inside. We thought, great, you know, because there's only two of them in, in the UK, so they can get very busy, a bit like Popeyes, you know, it's a bit of a novelty. So we thought, great, we'll come back after the movie about three o'clock, have something to eat there. Came out of West Side Story, went to the went to Jollibee, queue of 20 people outside. <laughs> yeah. And we thought, oh, God, while we're here, let's join the back of the queue. We joined the back. We thought maybe it won't actually take that long. So there for about 15, 20 minutes, waiting. Little fella comes out, Jolly Jolly B polo shirt on, making his way along the along the line, gets to us, he goes, 
uh, just to let you know, it's going to be about an hour's wait because we're short-staffed. I said, oh, thanks thanks for letting us know. And as soon as he was out of earshot, I was like, right, let's get the fuck out of it because I'm not waiting an hour for <laughs> And uh, we went for pizza instead. Um, oh. It's a shame. It's a shame. I've been try- I'm having a Popeyes. I'm having a Jollibee's. All these American restaurants are over here. Um, if, one it, if it's any consolation, like I did have Jollibee's in Liverpool a oh. couple of months ago. It's nice. I would not line up an hour for it. It's kind of like, yeah, it's like, it sounds really nice, but it's kind of like a McDonald's-ized version of Filipino food. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Tasty. I would absolutely go again. I like McDonald's. I wouldn't queue yeah. for an hour for it. So you made the right call. You made the right call. Yeah. I think I think we'll go at some point, but uh, yeah, not, not queuing for that long. And I desperately needed a piss as well. That, <laughs> <laughs> the deciding factor. So we left. But yeah, other than that, Christmas was good. New Year's been good. Uh, back to work on, on Thursday. And um, yeah, back to life as normal. Uh, yeah, sounds good. Sounds like a you know a solid Christmas, solid yeah, Christmas. Good. Good. Uh, on the gift front, I I did get some lovely gifts. I have to say, I got myself a little Hangman Adam Page action Ooh. figure. He now resides next to our liquor. He comes with a little beer stein and a shot glass, which is actually very cute. Um, uh, Bron also got me a foot spa, which I have used. It's really nice because I'm very old mm. and creaky. <laughs> uh, and a sort of like uh, this like hardcover book that uh, IDW and Marvel put out. It's like a original kind of sketchbook version of John Romita, kind of golden age Spider-Man comics. Um, you know, on color, just his original pencil drawings. And there's like little notes and little scribbled bits and bobs from his original drawings on there. Very cool. Very, very cool. Um, so we, we exchanged those gifts on, I think the 22nd it was, because she was driving home to her family in, in Galway on the 23rd. So we said our goodbyes after doing our gifts. We exchanged lovely gifts. All good. She hit the road. Uh, I was sitting there getting ready to stream, I believe it was. Uh, And then I got an old text from a buddy of mine who I'd seen a couple of days ago saying he had the old... The old double line gimmick on the old antigen test. So I was like, oh, God. And I was like, should I just do one? I'd been dragging my feet on that all Christmas Brona had done loads because she was traveling home. So she was doing like one a day to make sure. Mm. And I was like, all right, let's just do one. Let's just do one. Let's just figure it out. So up the old snooter, it went there uh, about 20 minutes before I was supposed to stream. And I, I put the test down. I went back to adjusting my microphone and f- fiddling with the webcam, getting the camera going. Went back and checked it just before I was to stream. Boom. There it is. The old positive test. Um, uh, so I had to... Uh, ring uh, my girlfriend who was halfway home at this stage and said, listen, here's the deal. You know, I see, you know, basically close contact type situation. I had to ring my mom, let her know, say that I couldn't come home for Christmas dinner, blah, blah, blah. Uh, if you're not familiar with the situation in Ireland at the moment, trying to get a PCR test, it is literally like trying to get a PS5. People are going onto the HSE website at like midnight when it refreshes <laughs> and opens up slots and, uh, and people are texting the group chat, sending links to each other. There's one here. There's one here. You can get one here. Quick, 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 go. Uh, so I was trying to sort that while telling everyone that I that I think I might add. I was also feeling not great that day as well. So even though with with the test scarcity, I was kind of resigning myself to the idea that listen, it's it pretty much is what it is. So as my girlfriend is driving back, I'm making up the spare room because she might still get to go home for New Year's if we keep 
part and she doesn't get sick. All this malarkey had to happen. And sure enough, I did have to uh, lock myself away in the office, which let me tell you, working from home is already a bummer. Sleeping Mm. and living in the office room of the house is not great either. Um, so that whole palava happened. I was, I, I, I was wondering if it was a little bit of a mental thing because once I got the positive test, I was already not feeling great. But then I was like, oh, now mm. I feel bad. Now I feel bad, you know. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, so that happened. Uh, uh, and we basically just resigned ourselves to that's just the way it has to be. It was very depressing for the first day or two. I think we kind of resigned ourselves to say, look, we're just going to have to roll with it. Um, I did bring the PS5 into the quarantine zone. <laughs> uh, I brought my tablet initially because I was like, that's all I'll need. And then I realized that's not all I need. I can only watch so much YouTube. I can only watch so much fucking Netflix before I start to go spare. Uh, so that happened. Uh, me and my girlfriend did have our first Christmas together. Uh, can't really sing her praises enough. Made a delicious Christmas dinner. Dropped it off at my door. I had to back Aww. off at the door. I went and picked it up and grabbed it and edited it in my bed, you know. It was, for what it was, it was actually a nice enough Christmas, but obviously not what we had uh, planned. I did eventually get the PCR gimmick. Very lucky. Great, great product. Super happy with it. <laughs> Runs Far Cry 6 real good, that PCR test. <laughs> Having a ball with it. Um, but, of course, she couldn't drive me because we were keeping apart. Which, again, the prospect being that she could go home, which she did for New Year's. At least that was something of a, of a happy ending. Couldn't get public transport or a cab, of course. I don't know about where you guys are. No cab drivers here have the plastic thingy anymore. They all got rid of it. Oh, they, no. just, uh, they tried it for like a week. I'm like, fuck that. I'm not doing the plastic gimmick in between us. So I had to traipse out in the pissing rain to get one. That didn't help the old physical condition. Um, and it was, in fact, positive. I did have the old COVID. Um, mm. So, so yeah. So that was Christmas. Uh, you know, as these things go, it was not great. But uh, we roll with it. Um, uh, so that was that. And then new year, new year's was basically the same, but it was all right. You know, new year's, new year's is not that big a deal anyway. It's just a bunch of fireworks and, and a clock ticking over. So yeah, that was, uh, and, and, and I, (laughs) I did record, uh, the bonus podcast that we did, uh, uh, on, uh, whatever day it was like that night or the next night or something like that. Which, to be honest, was a bit of a laugh, just something to do and fucking not think about having COVID for a few hours. Um, so that was good. So, uh, so yeah, there you go. I, I was, I've, I've kind of been thinking of it as, oh, you know, after two years, I finally got it. I'm also of the mindset, like, I must have had it previously and not even yeah. know. Uh, I think most people are kind of of that mindset as well. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. COVID Christmas. Um, not saying misery loves company, but I did know so many people in the exact same boat that it it at least made me feel less isolated that it was very much the the story of of, of the country um mm. at christmas so yeah that was me uh what about you paul you were you were you were free roaming still i assume yeah we did the usual christmas uh with natty's family and then christmas here uh we did have a a covid scare actually um we found out three days after christmas i think that natty's dad tested positive um and so we 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 took a couple of antigen tests and the single line brother um so and we we weren't feeling any symptoms or anything so so that was lucky um yeah i got you know not to brag i got some lovely lovely gifty poos Mm. got a little um orange cassidy figure lovely uh first wrestler wrestling figure i've owned since 
2002 maybe the, the very hey. same there he is his little thumbs up little half thumbs up <laughs> um my god uh the detail I've, I don't, I've never seen an action figure as good as that because whenever you go into Smith's or whatever and you look at the rest of the figures, even though they're probably better now than they were when we were kids, you always go, ah, they didn't fucking look like shite. Finn Balor's head is fucking two <laughs> sizes bigger than it is in real life. <laughs> so I've, even the AW ones, I've never had the interest to actually pick one up. Like, well, buy a figure, whatever. But I, I got it on Christmas and I opened it up and I was like, this figure is, is really fucking good. <laughs> like, even just to have on the... I just have it on my bedside table there. It's a really, really nice... Uh, the, the figure, the, the attention, the detail is crazy. You can put the hands in the pockets. In the pockets, yeah. Critically. Uh, he's got the little thumbs up hand, which you can swap in with a flat hand for the pockets. The pockets. Um, which I had him for a while with the hands in the pockets, but I, I like the classic thumbs up. I have to have the thumbs up. And he's got like his, like, it's such, he's such a great character to make a, a doll of because the, the material on the jacket's lovely. The shirt is an actual shirt with his picture printed on it and stuff like yeah. that. It's mm. not like, you know, and I, th- I think that the, because WWE has like a scale. They have like the two quid toys and then they have the 70 quid toys. Do you know what I mean? And the cheaper range, like shirts are still like painted on the body type thing. Yeah. Um, and then the higher you go, the more likely you are to get cloth. But yeah, the AW, the, the Cassidy has like a cloth shirt. It's just, it's great. It's so excellent. So yeah. Get the little sunglasses and everything. Um, I got a little uh, Funko Turbo Man. Um, ah, the irony figure with the little, <laughs> not, not the proper big toy that they've Funko have also released. The actual uh, Funko Pop, the the irony dressed in the Turbo Man gear, holding the the toy. Uh, Natty got me that. That was absolutely brilliant. Um, I got uh, lots of Lego. There was Lego coming out of my ears this Christmas. I got the uh, Natty got me the Super Mario airship. Lovely, the big yeah. one. That was a great build. I got uh, for myself via the parents uh, the uh, Adidas Runner Lego, which if you haven't seen it, it's a shoe. Yeah, it's a shoe made of Lego and you get laces with it to to put on. (laughs) Absolutely great. Um, And uh, and then probably my favorite uh, present I got, which was also from Natty, which I have very... Uh, safely stored away is a plane ticket with my name on it and the scene and everything. But it's a plane ticket from the 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 flight from the pilot episode of Lost. Wow, that's <laughs> class! So it's a little Oceanic Airlines Paul Griffin. I'm in the seat next to uh, Hurley, the big guy, <laughs> one of my favorite characters on the show. That's great. That's great. So I'm go- I'm going to get a little frame right right now. It's just in like a little envelope and. As it's a plane ticket, the little parts that you can like tear off, one of them is kind of already a little. So I'm going to get a little frame for it and keep it there. So when we get our house, I'll have it in my little room. Um, But I guess the main bit of life guff over the Christmas period was not Christmas, was not New Year, but was our trip to a spa, a hotel and spa, my first ever. I did that. Um, as I had said before, I've never had a massage. Da, da, da. Uh, regret to inform you, I've still never had a massage. What? Um, oh, yeah. Um, doesn't say that it wasn't. It wasn't a great experience. It really was. But uh, 
we learned the hard way that uh, brother you gotta book your specific massage slot Ooh. fucking three months in advance oh, baby no. yeah um we 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 showed up uh at the place lovely place lovely giant room the room too big right mm. the bedroom uh had a big king-size bed in it probably the biggest bed i've ever been in at a hotel you could have fit two more king-size beds in the same room that's how big it was but we go down to the spa. That was basically the first thing we did after we dropped our bags in. Go down to the spa. Say, yeah, we're going to go. We're here now. We're going to go for a little swim. They had like a, a hydrotherapy pool and hot tub, sauna and all that. So we go for a little swim. Oh, and maybe we're going to, we, we'll book our, our massages, you know, for, and for like today or tomorrow, whatever suits, because we're there for overnight. Um, we have one slot <laughs> for tomorrow at 10 a.m. for half an hour. So I I let Natty take the slot. Um, she's she's got very tight shoulders anyway, which I mm. don't. So I it was it, for a, a neck, shoulders, and back massage. I want to say it was, and apparently that was very good. But, oh, uh, apparently, uh, <laughs> no, you know it's fine. We 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 still had a good time despite that. In fact, the, what I said earlier to Natty was like we had a great time, but it was definitely a little trip of like almosts yeah so that, that was the first thing right uh then there was a very funny occurrence which was uh, for um dinner we we didn't eat at the hotel we ate at a, like a local restaurant oh uh, <laughs> <laughs> now it was a steakhouse it was a bistro 85 um and uh so i rang them up and i was thinking like what's a good time for dinner like we're, go- we're going to be check-ins at three we're going to be swimming uh, do, who knows what else we'll be doing so I'll okay call, uh, I sent them uh, uh, an email can we have a table for two for 7.30 for our dinner right and then I get a phone call back and the guy's like you're Paul Griffin right yes you you want a table for two at 7.30 yes but we're closed at 8 and I forgot completely oh, about no. the whole in Ireland yeah uh, everything closed at 8 o'clock Restaurants, cinemas, the whole shebang. It fucking stinks. It fucking yeah. stinks. And I've really tried to not grouse about things being closed because it is a pandemic. But the eight o'clock cutoff time stinks. It stinks. So that was fine. We moved that to 6.30. But I, I, it's the first time I had booked a restaurant since this rule came in. And it was just completely was not in my mind. Mm. So we went to the restaurant, steakhouse. Love a bit of steak, so I do. Um, We're out of steak, sir. <laughs> no, we, we we sat down, we looked at the menu, we said, okay, <laughs> this is what we're going to get. Uh, Natty's going to get a ribeye. I'll get the uh, the sirloin. Mm. But can I have that without the mushrooms and onions? And bit? Oh, yeah. God. And the lady even, like the lady even clarified. She's like, "Oh well, you know, the sauce and and, and that comes to the side." That that I said, "Look, I'm not going to eat it." So, if, for 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 my sake and yours, save the ingredients. Yeah, I'll just have the steak and and the chips. I don't want the onions. I don't want the mushrooms. I even said again, I don't want the onions. I don't want the mushrooms. Steak comes, fucking swimming in mushrooms. No, honest. Oh, yeah, just. Uh, like more more mushrooms and steak. Almost. What did she go back? She went. He said something about the 
he wants them on the stake? Uh, probably. It was something about them. You know, yeah. Oh. Now, it was a lovely big steak. It said eight ounce. The steak must have been 12. It was, it right. was huge. Right? Yeah, that's all the mushrooms, pal, on it. But uh, <laughs> just covered in, in, in wet, slimy mushrooms, oh. right? All over it. I hate it. Ugh. I know. Now, Barry, I'm, as you know, I'm the kind of man who'll say, sorry, love, or mate. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, love. Sorry, you dumb broad. Oh, no, I'll man. say, I'll say, sorry. I, I ordered this without the mushrooms. Can you, can you kindly, you know. However, at this stage, it was already 7.30. We're on a fucking time limit, oh, brother. There's no time for it to go back. So I had to do the old scrapey scrapey. Oh, and God. the steak was fine, but it was definitely what I would call a mushroomy steak. <laughs> Man. You know, so it is what it is. Um that stinks. You know. Um and then we had lovely time, like I said, lovely time in the pool. They they had a hot tub outside, so even though it was very cold, you'd run outside in your little bathing suit, run all over into the uh, the hot tub. Oh fucking tremendous i was mm. the 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 spa itself that part of the hotel was especially good that was the best time we had uh swimming around uh i, I was doing little laps like it, it wasn't a, a rectangular swimming pool it was like a a, a kidney shaped swimming pool so it wasn't one that you could just do like lengths on but i found a little bit that had like um opposite walls that i could go back and forth yeah great time uh, but then the, ta- the time came for it to go sleep, right? As you do, as you do at the end of the day. You've had a fun days, fun day of swimming, scraping mushrooms off your steak, you know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Time to go sleep. So we we around midnight, we put our little heads down in our giant bed. Off we go. Five and a half hours later, I'm still not asleep. Oh my god! <laughs> right. Still thinking about the mushrooms. I was say, uh, the mushrooms got him. Yeah, you know. Just, like, I, I'm i sure uh, Barry is probably the same as me. I don't, uh, Joe, I can't speak for you. But the the men of, of a larger disposition, we run hot anyway. Mm. <laughs> we run hot anyway, right? We were on the top floor of the hotel. So all the heat in the hotel is rising up to us. And the way the window opened in the room, first of all, it was fucking 20 meters away from the bed. Mm. But also, it <laughs> it opened like maybe three inches, right? But it opened only at the very bottom of the window. It was one of these ones that pushes out at an angle, like a five-degree angle. Oh. And there's like no airflow coming in. So I'm standing by the window... I crouched over at a 90 degree angle with my head just oh, at, at the little bit. Cause I, I'm just too hot. I can't sleep. Like I, I would stand by the window and cool down. I feel my head. I feel cool. Right. Climb back into bed. 30 seconds later, I'm on fire. I, the, I think the, the duvet itself was like fucking the hottest <laughs> duvet brand. You could have <laughs> make turning, turning into fire. Right. <laughs> it got so bad. Right? I woke up natty. Right. From her slumber, she was asleep. But I woke her up. I was like, "Look, I can't sleep. It's half five in the morning. I cannot sleep. You need to keep me company." Because, I, like, I was, oh, really, I was really no, I was miserable. I, I, I won't say because I'm a big tough bloke, but there might have been a little bit of um, 
wet eyes with frustration at the situation. Okay, when you can't sleep, it is the worst, you know. For five and a half hours. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I get you, I get you, I get you. So this, it got to, it got to the stage, right, where I had to run a cold bath. For, like, I didn't have a temperature or fever. I was a bit hot, but I, I didn't have like a fever. But I had to run a cold bath, sit in it for 10 minutes to get my temperature down to a point where I could hop into the bed and fall asleep quickly enough before I got too hot again. And that did okay. work ultimately. That did work ultimately, but it means that I'm... I'm not a well-rested man. This was last night, by the way. So um had about two, two and a half hours sleep then. Then oh. had another hour of sleep before we had to check out because we, we did go down for breakfast. That was fucking delish. Hotel toast. There's no better in the world. Um, and then I had another little kip when we got when we got home. Had a little nap there as well. But that's the life guff uh, for me anyway. That's a bummer. I hope I hope you get a proper spa experience. Oh no! Like it was lovely. It was lovely. I, I don't want to sound too downtrodden. No, I but really, I mean, you know, we had a really fun time. But yeah, it, it was a little. There were there were little individual moments that had they had they gone a little bit better, it would have been fucking like top tier holiday. You know. Hmm. Uh, yeah, so I, I I do hope you can experience a lovely massage at some point, though. So, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll 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 book myself one locally. I think. Yes, yeah, for it. for sure. Uh, segueing out of Christmas and New Year's and life and all that other stuff, has anyone been listening to any music this week? Yeah. I have not. No. Since we haven't done our year end awards, I'm not counting this as 2022's start to music of. But um, after finishing Get Back, Get Back, the uh, Beatles documentary, I have started listening to the Beatles uh, discography Lovely. From, the, from the very beginning. Um, so I've listened to the first album and most of the second. Uh, I think the first one's called Please Please Me, and the second one is With the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Um, first one's quite interesting. It's... Um, it's definitely less Beatlesy and more typical of that kind of uh, burgeoning rock scene from the the early sixties. Um, it doesn't have that kind of Beatles identity stamped into it yet. It's very very generic. Mm-hmm. Um, and but by the second album, which came out the next year, you already are hearing right. This is starting to sound more like the Beatles. The Beatles. Mm-hmm. Um, crazy to think. I I never really appreciated. The fact that the Beatles, from their first to their last studio album, were only around for eight years. Mm. In my head, the Beatles were like 20 years. Mm. Not true. <laughs> 1962 to 1970. That mm. was it. Um, but uh, yeah, listen to listen to a bit of Beatles. Um, I'm, I, you know, it might be a, an ill-educated thing to say, but I feel like the Beatles don't really get properly going until like the last three albums, give or take. Um, like when you get into like Abbey Road, White Album, that kind of stuff. Mm. You know, you, you do have the like Rubber Soul and stuff like that, which is still very good. But you know, when you're not, you're not getting into Alan Partridge, best of the Beatles, until you know you're hitting the the kind of the end of the run, right? Uh, maybe I, I don't expect I'm going to listen to. <laughs> I'm not going to dive into everything, but I, I want to listen to then some of like George Harrison's solo stuff. Maybe mm. a bit of Paul's. Don't really care for John Lennon's solo stuff. Um, oh, maybe imagine. a bless. You've heard Imagine. So you've heard Imagine. You've heard uh, that Christmas one he did. Yeah. Uh, War is uh, Christmas. 
Yeah. War is Christmas. Yeah, war on yeah. Christmas, he called it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can't bloody say it anymore. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> is it is it maybe time to do our first award then of the yes. show? Oh, yeah, the that's that's award. that's the sole bit of musical. I did want to listen to my first 2022 release of the year, uh, the Weekends new album. Uh, yeah. but I, did, I did not get to it yet. I've heard great things. I'm really looking forward to. It. But yes, we will rewind back to 2021. I hope you all like that. Um, uh, I am in the Police Academy remake. Uh, look forward to that. <laughs> um, the Music Guff presents Album of the Year for 2021. Uh, we will, since we just jumped off with you, we'll go back to Paul here. Paul, what was your Album yeah. of the Year? Okay, well, the way I've done the awards this year is a little bit different than normal because we usually will have like honorable mentions and then we'll have our favorite of the year. Mm. Um, but I've written down three here, and I've not really, even to this point, I've not really decided what the winner is. Um, but I think I will go with, ironically, well, let me just say, first of all, obviously, I, I listen to a lot a lot of music this year that I would normally not listen to. Mm-hmm. And then when all the like year-end awards that are coming out, like um, Rolling Stone or whoever, their top 50 albums of the year, I basically listened to none of them. I, I yeah. did not, by coincidence, hit any of the good albums that came out this year. I listened to shite, apparently. Mm. Um, <laughs> but I will say, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give my award to one of the albums that I listened to that I that was a a lovely surprise, and it's not bias because of the name. Uh, and it is an EP, so it's got, it does have little asterisks on the side. I'm going to give it to Griff, one foot in front of the other. Okay. Uh, a, a thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable slice of pop, uh, but but kind of pop with a with a bit more soul to it than your typical pop has. Um, I do have some honorable mentions, but I, I won't say them until maybe maybe when you guys give your awards, then we can go through some honorable mentions that we didn't give the award to so that's griff one foot in front of the other uh yeah i i didn't listen to too much this year i was kind of looking through my stuff this year and i i mean quantity wise i actually did listen to um i probably i probably would have had some stuff in that fucking enemy list i listened to some big stuff uh, and that's really it and not even that much of it um uh but of the of the few albums I did listen to, I would have to say my favorite was Montero by Mr. Little Nas X. Mm. Uh, that was one of my that was one of my top three. I, I, I really have to say, I think I said this at the time when I when I spoke about it. I mean, it really surprising, even as someone who kind of liked his singles and thought, oh, you know, he's funny. Uh, that has a surprisingly catchy tune to it for a meme guy. Uh, but I have to say that the album was one of the better pop rap uh, uh, ventures uh, in years, not even just this year in general. I think he really rode that line so, so well and some real earworms on there. So, And then probably in terms of quantity, got the most listens out of me this year, I would say. Yeah, I would agree on that. How about you, Joe? Um, I didn't. I didn't really listen to any albums this year. Um, so the top, the top two are Adele, Thirty, 
which I didn't really like that much. <laughs> um, and and so therefore my my album of the year goes to uh, West Side Story original motion picture soundtrack. Ah, it's 2021, uh, which I did listen to. <laughs> Um, so I'll, I'll expand more on that when we when we cover the movies. But yeah, I have a since seeing the film, I've, I've listened to that soundtrack once or twice. It's, uh, yeah. it's really 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 good. So, well, do you do you have maybe a single of the year as well, rather than if you haven't listened to many albums? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did. I did have Little Nas X on my list as well, and also Wolf Alice, uh, Blue Weekend, which was the first album I listened to. In my in my string of albums, that was also a really really good one. Uh, best song of the year, though, I think uh, uh, I would give Wolf Alice. I would say Wolf Alice, "Delicious Things" is my favorite song of the year. Okay, but but Griff, um, to Barry's point, of all the stuff I listened to when my Spotify Wrapped came out, Griff was up there. Let me tell you. Nice. And so I feel compelled to give Griff the the award. <laughs> Uh, for honorable mentions for me, the one I went back and forth on um, quite a lot with, with Montero was um, uh, Call Me If You Get Lost, Tyler the Creator. Uh, just didn't listen to it as much as, as Montero. Yeah. Uh, Shut the Fuck Up Talking to Me, Zach Fox was, was fantastic. Uh, that, that gets the spiritual award for only being 20 minutes long. I mean, I, I, it, it, it has the award from my heart. Yeah. Um, speaking of, I know we don't do worst of the years, but I'll just I'll just mention worst album that I listened to this year: Drake, Certified Lover Boy. Uh, yeah. Dog yeah. shit for an hour and a half. <laughs> um, and other honorable, yeah, and uh, it's a mixtape by Denise Chai that was also very good this year. So a good a good old year for the hippity hop, I do believe. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so will we move on to our next guff and then subsequently our next award? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so we will move on to telly guff. Quite a bit of telly this week. Uh, just to uh, scratch two off here. Um, two additions to to Amazon Prime this week, or, or in the last two two or so weeks that I, I checked out. Started a Nathan for you rewatch since it's now on Amazon. Still great. Still, I think as discussed on our, our decades uh, review show, I would put it best one of the best shows of, of the last decade. Mm. Uh, so funny, so bizarre. I mean, it's just really it, it it it's a it's weird to think that it was on a relatively major network like Comedy Central. I realize it's not you know it's still kind of a niche network, mm. but it's it's like because it's like you you get a couple of episodes doing the thing that that show does and even like halfway through season one it starts going okay now we're doing oddball weird shit that's just completely off the fucking reservation with the uh uh the claw of shame episode and stuff like that like like i every time i rewatch nathan for you i'm constantly taken aback by how frequently and how early they say we're just get, we're just fucking we're just going to another planet for this particular episode. And then the next episode, we'll be right back to helping a, a bar owner or something like that. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're about halfway through the rewatch of that. Uh, also at its prime there, the original uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch uh, uh, sitcom, 
uh, Melissa, Melissa Joan Hart vehicle, starring among other among other people. I completely forgot about this. Paul Feig, he of Ghostbusters oh, yeah. 2016 fame. Uh, he is the the hapless teacher, the science teacher, Mr. Poole in that. A uh, lot of nostalgia in that for me. I, I can't say we, we were about 10 episodes into season one. I can't say it's especially funny. I mean, again, at the end of the day, it is kind of a, a very kind of, it's very 90s, first of all, with what I'm sure at the time they thought was like bleeding edge fucking tech <laughs> and CGI and editing techniques. Um, it's charming, but it's not especially funny. I like the cat. The cat is funny and it talks. Uh, you know, but it's uh, it's uh, I if I recall correctly from my own uh, adolescence, I I believe as it progresses, it gets a little funnier and a little just overall better. The first season is very after school special, right. um, and it also looks very cheaply made. You know, uh, in general, uh, I don't know if I'm going to stick with it necessarily. That's not me saying, oh well, I'll. Next week, I'll tell you about season three. I don't know. If, I don't know. I want to at least get up to the episode with Kevin Nash in it. Um, but uh, I don't know how much further I will go. Oh, uh, about but, Billy Gunn. He was in it as well, wasn't he? Oh, he was in it as well. Okay, I'll just try and tick off all the wrestler cameos. Um, <laughs> RuPaul uh, is in it as well, I believe. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, <laughs> Sabrina was massive in its day. Um, uh, yeah. And it was... Uh, there was a Britney Spears crossover as well. Obviously, um, it, it it has a lot of, and I'll, I'll talk about another thing like this in, in film. Go, I mean, it is so nineties. I mean, mm. they have like a not regular character, but like a recurring special guest character. Penn and Teller play like recurring special guest characters, uh, doing the thing where one of them doesn't talk, like keeping that gimmick going on the fucking show. Um, so yeah, that was uh, that's a breed. It's all right. I think if you if you watched it originally, it's it's worth an hour laugh on on Prime, but it's not it's not anything that you, that's going to be revelatory to uh, to a new audience. Um, I checked out the first couple of episodes of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, the new season uh, currently in progress. I decided to try and catch up. Uh, very funny. Really enjoyed the first two episodes. Uh, the first two episodes are sort of there's there's a lot of uh, grappling with like always Sonny's place in modern comedy in a weird way. Uh, they have an episode where they vow to make a new Lethal Weapon movie, which of course are the episodes that have previously been like removed from Netflix because they have uh, uh, Rob McElhenney doing blackface in it, and so they have this sort of very meta thing about how can we make this but make it appropriate for today and things like that. Uh, not as belabored as that might sound. I mean, it sounds like they, they, they're very funny and they, and, and they, they very deftly maneuver that stuff without getting into eye rolly territory. Um, uh, likewise, the premiere episode, um, they, they kind of basically weave the main characters into every major occurrence that happened in 2020 in, in, in some way or another, in a way that's funny without being too gimmicky. Uh, and I watched the first two episodes set in Ireland, which I know from seeing pictures were filmed here, but it really seems like they shot like two scenes in this country. 
and then used some of the worst green ski screen you've ever seen for like 80% of the scenes. It's really bad. It's really, really bad. I don't know if there was a problem or they had to do reshoots and they were like, shit, we can't just go back and do it. I don't know what happened, but there's like a couple of, like, and the episodes are good. I think they are very funny episodes and a lot of it is set in interiors. So a lot of it is obviously also like, I feel like basically none of it is actual footage from when they were here because they were physically here to shoot some stuff of it. But a lot of it is quite obviously in a studio. A lot of it is quite obviously in front of a terrible green screen. And then there's like a handful of shots of them pottering around and chatting in Dublin. It's a little disappointing on that front, but I think they they um, they nail a, a number of aspects of it and they do even work in some kind of... Uh, amusing uh humor about ireland that is not just oh they went to the fucking guinness factory or the leprechaun <laughs> museum uh my favorite one was that they go over there and one of frank's reasons wanting to go over there is he has a, a tax dodging shell corporation uh, <laughs> uh operating out of uh, out of dublin which is a nice touch uh, so yeah thumbs up on on that season so far constantly surprised by by always sunny their 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 ability to 15 16 seasons in still be good mm. is um very pleasantly surprising and the last thing i watched was i only saw the first episode but i watched that new boba fett thing which is good and kind of exactly what you want it's it's kind of like the mandalorian they're doing more cool star wars stuff and you don't have to hear the words Sith or Jedi or Legacy or Prophecy or Skywalker or Vader or any of that shit. It's just like, what if we just did more kind of cool uh, crime syndicate shit on Mos Eisley? And that was that, you know, yeah. you don't have to, you know, it's it's it scratches the Mandalorian itch with some hooks that tie back into the main films, but, but not in any major way. That's good. I liked it. Um, any of you two seen that yet? Watched, watched the first episode of it. I only and, saw the um, first one as well. It was it was all right, but my my compl- my kind of weird complaint would be it's a bit too much like the Mandalorian, if you know what I mean. Like it's, <laughs> and even though I liked the Mandalorian, I thought that was quite refreshing. It's like, well, this is a different series, and now that's kind of just copying the Mandalorian. So it's like, right, uh, you know, I want something different. But I think if I watch the rest, I'll probably enjoy it. Um, it was it was kind of funny and interesting. But well, yeah, just just the whole whole contrivance of oh, we've got to have Boba Fett back, and we've got a, yeah. How did he get out of the fucking Sarlacc, Sarlacc. vagina yeah. or thing, whatever it was, and all that bollocks? It's like, oh god. Um, yeah, well, it looks 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 all right. Yeah, I, I, sorry, go on, Paul. Go. I was just gonna say I I enjoyed the episode for the most part, but I thought the the action scene in the middle of it, the fight with the red screen shields, mm. uh, some some of the worst shot action I've seen in a decade it was like it was like xenia warrior princess stuff <laughs> for like five minutes and then the completely pointless parkour chase like everything is apart from that i thought was great but that little action scene i was just like oh god what are they doing this this yeah. is really 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 bad anyway yeah it, it just it is funny to me that it's like boba fett is like this like purely based on fans thinking he looks cool he kind of is now deified as this god tier action hero and they have the scene where he fights his way out of the sarlacc but in the original movies he's so not that he's just he's a goon he's a slightly cooler looking goon who gets dispatched with relative ease um uh you know so that's that's the other kind of funny thing is the Mandalorian was like the first time I ever really gave a shit about Boba Fett because I was always just kind of like, 
that was perhaps one of the first times I ever said to myself about like a fandom. I was like, why are people so weird about Boba Fett? He's he's just a he was a cool looking action figure back in the day. I'll give you that, but like I just I don't get it, and it's just look. Now he looks like Victor fucking Mildred. (laughs) (laughs) I don't believe it. Anyway, uh, that's all my telly there for the week. Uh, What about you, boys? What have you been watching? Uh, I, I've got a couple that we um, we started recently. So we, um, after finishing our Gilmore Girls rewind, we moved on to the uh, the follow up show from the creator of Gilmore Girls, which is called Bunheads, um, mm. which is similarly kind of set in a small town. Um, it's about a ballet school and a kind of uh, woman who moves to the town and starts to teach there. Um, a lot of cameos from um, the cast of Gilmore Girls in it, and a few of the main actors are, are from Gilmore Girls. It's. I haven't enjoyed it as much. I think it started to find its feet kind of halfway through the season. Um, obviously, Michelle has watched it and she she really loves it, partly because she loves Gilmore Girls, also she loves like ballet and dancing as well. So it was like <laughs> right up her alley. But I do. I think it kind of had a bit of a weakness from the start, um, which they didn't really fix until later on. And so the show only actually ran one season before being cancelled. But oh. um, yeah, we're, we're nearly finished. We've got one more episode to go. It was enjoyable, but I wouldn't. It's not kind of Gilmore Girls level where I'd want to go back and rewatch it sort of over and over again, but it was quite quite entertaining at points. And to watch that, we also started watching a show called This Is Us, which is something I kind of vaguely had heard of and didn't really know much about. But it's a kind of kind of drama, a little bit a little bit sappy at times. To be honest, we watched like the first five or six episodes. Uh, can't really talk about the plot too much without completely spoiling the first episode, so I won't. But it's basically about some some siblings and a, and a kind of family um, and the, the complications of their life. But um, yeah, it's it's quite good. It's quite um, I like I like the characters a lot, and that helps you kind of get past the slight cheesiness of it that it sort of slips into at times. But yeah, I think that I don't think it's still on. I think it finished a few years ago. But um, this is us. Yeah, around for six seasons. So. Looking forward to kind of digging into that and, and seeing where it goes. That's been the uh, the TV. I actually also watched Hawkeye. Who, oh, you yeah. Watch? Hawkeye, okay. I w- I've watched Hawkeye as well. I'll let, I'll let you talk about Hawkeye and I'll, I'll chime in. That's, yeah, that's all the TV. Ooh, I'm interested to see where we where we align on Hawkeye. Go on. Okay, let me talk about Hawkeye quickly. So I, I'm obviously a, a sadomasochist who sits through all of these Marvel Studios Disney Plus TV shows mm. however I thought Hawkeye was pretty okay all in all um, one th- one major difference that Hawkeye has to all the other shows is that I found with WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Loki that they all started pretty well and then went quickly off a cliff I actually found that Hawkeye started okay and kind of got better as it went along. Uh, I found myself enjoying each episode kind of more than the previous one. So it, it has a different trajectory there. Um, obviously, it has Marvel, what we call Marvel comedy by the oh, yeah. bucket load, yeah. uh, which almost got me to the point of not really liking Haley Stein. Is it Steinfeld? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think she's really good in it, but I kind of almost didn't like the performance because so much of what she was doing was that. specifically the thing that I don't like about, yeah. about their their stuff. Um, but overall, I, I thought it was probably 
it probably doesn't have the highs of what I liked most about WandaVision and Loki. It's obviously better than Falcon and Winter Soldier, which just start to finish a complete mess. Um, and what if I, I don't think it's got the highs of WandaVision or Loki, but I think it's, I think it's way more consistent than those shows were mm. and kind of, um, it felt it was probably the only one of those where the finale felt like a proper conclusion to the story, as opposed to the bit where they fight with, with lasers, <laughs> uh, which is yeah. what those shows have kind of tended to be. But I'm interested, Joe, what did you think of Hawkeye? Um, well, I, I really enjoyed it as well. Um, it's basically kind of a lot. It was like an eight part Christmas movie. Um, sort of the, the relationship between Hawkeye and, and um, uh, what's her name? Seinfeld. Um, <laughs> Jerry Steinfeld. Um, yeah, their relationship was really good. I thought they had a good chemistry and that kind of, that's what it hang, hung on. Um, yeah. There was the, yeah, as you mentioned, the humor is not, not, not to our taste, let's say. And there are, and it's also one of, it's a fact of all these Marvel things is you have to have an encyclopedic knowledge of everything that's happened in the Marvel universe. Otherwise you're like, who, what, Yeah. why are they saying that? And, and we, yeah, we saw Black Widow. Like I know what happened in that movie and and what happened at the end of it. I still didn't understand like how that tied into this because I just didn't remember the intricacies of it or the time or even like the timelines because Black Widow was set before sort of Endgame and and all of that conclusion and then it's brought back in Black Widow and then it kind of it's brought back here afterwards and you're like well god it's like trying to it's 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 the most complicated more complicated than any time travel movie I've ever seen trying to piece together this like Marvel timeline but all that said um I did think it was quite fun um I don't know if I want to see any more of it but I could probably watch. I could probably watch her in like a spin-off series if it was a decent kind of concept. Yeah, yeah good. I don't good. think it's a spoiler to say because it. it I don't think it, it. It actually explicitly delivers on it anyway. Mm. But a lot of it felt like kind of a passing of the torch. Yeah. Um. Um. Because so much of the series is not focused on Hawkeye ironically given that that's what it's called he almost feels yeah. like a secondary character in it um but yeah like there's there's some bits where um specifically the comedy like there's, there's there's a bit where hawkeye and kate bishop which is steinfeld's character they get captured and they're like fucking at gunpoint and they're on the precipice mm-hmm. of being killed and she's doing fucking wacky comedy with this this polish gangster or whatever like oh christ like fair enough um we all hate that that style of comedy but fair enough when it's just characters Mm. in 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 a not in a non-perilous situation having a bit of crack but when it's the time for like seriousness and oh okay me as the viewer needs to feel that these people are in peril Mm. and and they're doing oh wait i need to call my girlfriend oh i got her tickets for concert but now she break up with like what this is this is the wrong place for this comedy and not only is the comedy bad but this is the wrong place for yeah um but yeah, I definitely came more and more uh, along for the ride uh, the longer it went. So yeah, ironically, I think we'd recommend talk. I have about that. Absolutely. Um, but my God, how old is Jeremy Renner at this stage? Like, <laughs> I think those hearing aids were real. I think. Yeah. <laughs> His face is just looking more and more like a walnut. Um, <laughs> every time I see him. Um, but anyway, that was Hawkeye. 
generally good. Um, we started season six of Lost, which I'm very excited about. We've already got 15 more episodes and then we're done with it. Mm. Um, so I'm very much enjoying that. Continuing on with Gilmore Girls, of course. I think we're up to about ep- 10 or so of season two. Nice. Uh, we had a new character arrive, uh, Luke's uh, nephew. Oh, Jess, okay. here we go. the name. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's the fucking James Dean, fucking rebel without a cause. Yeah. But but he's but he's well spoken and he's actually very intelligent. But he's just got a fucking chip on his shoulder, brother. Um, so that's some interesting stuff there. Um, what what happened? Uh, Rory got invited into the Puffs. The Puffs. Which what? is not which is not anything to do with RuPaul's Drag Race. It is uh, oh, the um, it is the uh, like high, highest um, what do you call it? Uh, like sorority, s- sorority, uh, hierarchically speaking, in, in in the the private school that she attends, and and she doesn't really actually want to be in be in the group. She kind of gets pushed into it, and oh my god, such larks happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, Gilmore Girls is, is 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 really, really, really great. There was there was a really good episode actually, where uh, Lorelai and and Sookie, who who want to you know buy their own and start their own in, Lorelai has kind of a freak out about it and, and kind mm. of er, erupts on Suki. It's like you're you're unreliable. You're this. You're that. And I thought that that was actually really well handled the way the the uh, the writing was done, but also the performances of the two actors. I thought that was probably the best episode of the season so far. Because so much of Gilmore Girls is happy, happy, oh, we're quirky, everything's a film reference. Uh, and then to have a scene like that, that, that felt very real and very, like, mm-hmm. you know, imperfect of these characters that are a lot of time otherwise perfect. Yeah, was, yeah. Very good. Um, and as I mentioned, RuPaul's Drag Race is back, folks. Season 14 <laughs> debuted <laughs> this week, uh, this last Friday. And it was so good let me tell you um because i I think i probably spoke about this last year when season 13 aired but it felt like drag race was 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 going season by season a little bit in the uh the looks over personality route so they want they want drag queens who look all fucking as glamorous and beautiful and but then the show as a result to 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 um uh, I forget what I was going to say, but anyway, the show as a result kind of gets more boring. You know, it's it's a little bland. Like you watch the show for the crazy personalities and the comedy and that. So, how refreshing was it for season fourteen to have like some of the most naturally funny drag queens they've they've ever had on the show, all in one place? I absolutely loved it. There's there's one, <laughs> and this is how far in my mind it goes. The opposite of like looks of personality but my favorite of the new drag queens called cornbread and cornbread if if you met out of drag looks like a truck driver or something you know um is this uh heavy set black uh bald uh drag queen and you know when they do the the runway the drag queens that normally are very poised and, do, 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 and they do their walk this was like a wrestler coming to the ring the way they're walking. It was so, so, and they, they were, they, they won the week. They were the best drag queen of the week and they're absolutely my favorite. They're absolutely best. I hope they win. Um, 
but they're so funny as well. My God, just the funniest, funniest character you can ever come across. So I'm super happy, number one, that Drag Race is back because obviously I love my Drag Race. But I'm also super happy that they, they've realized the error of their ways and they're like, right, let's let's get actually get some people in here that aren't just, um, you know, the best looking drag queens in the world, but are actually the funniest ones. So kudos to them for that. Kudos to RuPaul. Um, and that's all the telly we've been watching. And that, that is a... Are you, are you cheering for cornbread as well, Matthew? Or do you have a... <laughs> she is. We're a team cornbread, cornbread in this house. <laughs> that is a barrel load of um, of telly. Uh, we got a lot of telly watch there. And it is, of course, time for another award. It's the Telly Guff Presents Television Show of the Year for 2021. Uh, who would like to go first? I'm going to throw it out to the crowd here. Okay, I'll go first. <laughs> um, uh, okay, year for TV uh, in terms of like new stuff that came out this year. Um, I, I had a couple of things in consideration. Um, uh, I suppose I'll mention them in the honorable mentions. But when I really, when I looked at all the stuff that came out this year that I'd actually seen, I think I was most pleasantly surprised by Invincible the uh, Amazon Prime animated series with just absolutely bananas voice cast. Uh, J.K. Simmons, Sandra Oh, Stephen Yoon, uh, Mark Hamill, etc., etc., etc. Really fantastic. Can't wait for season two. That's one of those shows where I'm like, I, I, yeah, I actually want to win season two. Let's get season two going. Uh, that'll be like a day one. As opposed to this, which kind of crept out a little bit. It was a little bit of a sleeper hit at first. Uh, I will be uh, very excited for season two. So yeah, Invincible was my my show of the year. What about you, Joe? Um, a few honourable mentions. So uh, Hawkeye, that we just talked about. Did mm-hmm. really enjoy that. Um, Four Lives, which is a drama series that just watched, starring uh, Mr. Stephen Merchant, uh, playing very against type as a serial killer. Um, so this was based on a true, true kind of case of uh, about four or five years ago. Um, of a guy that was kind of luring young men to his flat uh, using grinder and uh, committing you know, horrible crimes. And Steve Merchant, well, I'll tell you what, the BAFTA goes to Mr. Steve because <laughs> he was he was genuinely really really good. Uh, there was a lot of good performances in that. It was a harrowing but good show. Um, Curb your enthusiasm. Honorable mention for that. A real return to form this season uh, for Mr. Larry David because it a couple of wonky seasons, but this one felt like old Curb. Like it's so it's just funny, funny situations, really kind of good, you know, season long uh, storyline as well. Um, my my two top two shows, hard picking between them, but in the end, um, I had to make the choice. So runner up was Dope Sick, which is the drama's kind of mini series on uh, Disney Plus, um, which is all about the opioid crisis in America. Um, really fantastic show i mean it it gets a little bit kind of overwrought at times kind of trying to weave in the actual facts of the story into the drama and that gets a little bit awkward at times but the performance is really kind of um anchor it um you know michael keaton um especially um but some other really good performances in there as well so that was absolutely fantastic but it was just edged out by season f- uh four wait it's season four no season three of um succession which was yeah. a bit of a slow starter, I would say, but uh, in the end was absolutely fantastic and really delivered the goods in the final uh, couple of episodes. Uh, yes, yeah, so a succession uh, show of the year again. Yeah, and I love 
what I love about Succession is that despite it being everywhere, I'm still uh, haven't started season two yet, but I love that I have mm. season two and season three still to come, and I'm totally unspoiled. Like I, it's it's a show that's very very popular and everyone sings the praises of, but also yeah. the people who watch it aren't running to Twitter to spoil it for everyone else. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and that season one uh, finale, which I just watched very recently, was. Ooh, chef's kiss so and i've heard it only gets better from there so i'm very excited to get around to that and dare i say had i watched season three it probably would have been very high up on my list also mm-hmm. sadly i've not got there yet um only two shows on my list here for this year does not say i only watched two shows but i for me there were two that were head and shoulders above uh the rest and that is my i'll say my winner tv show of the year for me uh, both HBO shows, by the way, I'll just point that out as well. HBO had a, a damn fine year this year. But my TV show of the year is The White Lotus. Ooh. Uh, a a mm, murder mystery question mark show um, uh, that had, was full chock-a-block of... Um, Sorry, chock a block of um, great performances mm. f- across the board. A really interesting mystery at the core of it. And I'm a sucker for mystery. I love it. Ooh. I love it, Agatha Christie. Um, and also, just the 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 weirdest, most unique kind of tone to it is like the darkest of dark comedies weaved into a murder mystery. I'll give my um, my honorable mention to to Mayor of East Town. Uh, the Kate, Kate Winslet uh, show, which I thought was also very, very good. But as a lot of these things, uh, as as what happens with a lot of these things, didn't quite stick the landing, whereas White Lotus absolutely mm. did. So White Lotus for me. Uh, just for my honorable mentions, then as well, at Midnight Mass, uh, another great... Um, Another great uh, Mike Flanagan joint uh, over on the old Netflix. Uh, and uh, also uh, just uh, just watched the last of them there uh, to, uh, yesterday. Uh, the two Euphoria specials that came out this year were very good. Um, having watched them both now, kind of both are in fact kind of digestible as standalone little things. Uh, new season starts uh, tonight or tomorrow, which I'm very excited for. But these two things are literally just kind of here's just some kind of weird little standalone things we made for fun that I think flesh out the characters in a very interesting way, even if it's not crucial to see them. So honorable mention for that as well. And that's our uh, awards there for telly. And we can jump into a absolutely massive uh, movie guff here. Uh, who wants to kick us off with some movie guff? I'll kick us off this time. How about that? Go on. Because uh, I've uh, we, we've like watched a lot of movies, but I, I actually haven't watched a huge amount. Um, so I'll start with the old Lord of the Rings, mm. right? Um, which I know on on this podcast is a divisive topic. Uh, we haven't we haven't watched them all. We watched Fellowship of the Ring and we watched the Two Towers. Uh, what's notable about this is we watched them in 4K 
ultra Ooh. high definition. Ooh, my wow. first ever uh, opportunity to watch a 4K Blu-ray. Uh, we watched it on a 43-inch TV. And so what I will say is, uh, resolution-wise, I, I, I would really struggle to... <laughs> really tell the difference between that and, and a regular blu-ray definitely there are points where the image seemed very full of detail but generally speaking once you once you're immersed in the movie let's say i i i wouldn't really be able to tell the difference resolution speaking especially as a person who uh should allegedly wear glasses um <laughs> What I will say, though, is what what really I found to be the the big difference between um, 4K Blu-ray and regular Blu-ray was not the not the resolution, but the HDR usage. Um, colors were popping like they've never popped before. Ooh. Let me tell you, the darks were darker, the colors were brighter. It was uh, absolutely beautiful in that regard. And of course, the Lord of the Rings, whether whether you like the uh, narrative or not. We, as I've said many times, as far as production goes and set design and yeah. costume design and all of that, I still think yet to be bettered. Uh, mm. the, the scale of the production is just out of this world. Um, yeah, and on, the, on this rewatch of Fellowship of the Ring and Two Towers, I don't think I, I have any takes that are, that are vastly different than what I've said before. I think Fellowship is the best of the three. I think they get worse as they go along. Um. I think Gollum is a bit silly. Uh, I think Circus, obviously, at the time, was a very revolutionary performance. Um, the first kind of lead mo-capped character. Yeah. However, I think on rewatch and rewatch and rewatch, my kind of tolerance for Gollum goes down, where it's a bit... I, I think it's just, in addition to rewatching it a lot, but also as time passes and the character is just so so done and, and parodied etc that i don't know i kind of feel like the performance is just ever so slightly over the top and a bit silly not not bordering on jar jar binks territory but no, no. definitely he kind of stands out a bit like a sore thumb and not necessarily in the fact that he's a cgi character but just the performance just a little a little over the top um and yeah I, what i like about the first film is that the fellowship altogether it's a very kind of focused movie the story it's you're following one story and their their journey to uh, destroy the ring uh, and then when, at the end of fellowship the fellowship gets broken up and you're, then you're following kind of three different strands and I, I kind of feel like that that lack of focus kind of hurts the movie somewhat because some of the strands are infinitely less interesting the other uh, when Mary and Pippin go and are dancing around with trees and stuff uh, that mm-hmm. stuff is not necessarily as, as interesting as, as the the other stuff um but yeah that's lord of the rings anyway um i think it's my sixth or seventh time watching the uh, extended versions i really want to get around I've, I've never done but i really want to get around to uh to watching the um the the making of documentaries that come with the uh, yeah the they're about I, nine hours okay. yeah well I, I watched some of the ones for the uh the hobbit and they're really interesting they're really far better than the actual film <laughs> so uh, maybe Lord of the Rings will be the same. Uh, I also watched the uh, the first two of the the fourteen upcoming South Park direct to Paramount Plus films, uh, post COVID and post COVID return of COVID, um, and they were great. I really enjoyed those. Um, so they're hour long films, so they're just about 
can be counted as feature length, I suppose. Um, and as part of the as part of the the renegotiation between Parker and Stone and, and Comedy Central, they've they've agreed to make fourteen of these hour long direct Paramount Plus films. And so the first two, post COVID and post COVID return of COVID, uh, they they made the decision to set them in the future where the kids are all adults, and of course. Um, that was that's always going to work in terms of a, a a gimmick, you know. Yeah. Um. So, Cartman is like a rabbi now, ironically, and mm. um, Kyle Kyle thinks it's a ruse to get him, and he's very paranoid about it. But, um, yeah, I I, I thought that I thought the first one in particular was very funny, and actually, like um, like White Lotus, I thought it was very funny, but also had kind of an intriguing mystery at the core of it. Second one, I'm not sure it quite landed uh, as, as much as the first one did, but I thought they were as a two part, as two parts of, of kind of a, a two hour film, let's say. Uh, I thought it was very good. Um, watched a little film uh, you might have heard of. It's it's um, it's uh, the fourth in a series called The Matrix Resurrections. Ooh, it's the new this. Matrix film. Um, now I, I, I know having read a lot of reviews that it, it's a hate, you hate it or you love it. Yeah. Uh, and no one will be in the middle. Uh, I kind of fell a bit in the middle on it. Um, I won't say anything about it for those who haven't seen it because it's very unexpected. I'll say no more yeah. than that. Uh, however, there's there's parts of it that I thought worked very well, and there's parts of it that didn't work at all for me. So, in a general sense, the film is is very meta, uh, and none of that landed for me almost at all. Okay. Um, despite the fact that people who really like it uh, a lot of time really appreciated the angle it went uh, in the way that it's meta, I just found it very kind of lame and and. Um, I found that the film spent a lot of time just reminding me of how good the first one was. Right. And I was like, well, I could just watch the first one if that's the case, right. you know? Yeah. Um, I, I really liked a lot of the, the third act, which ironically people who really like it seem to think that's the weakest part of the film where it, it kind of uh, has most similarities with like maybe reloaded and, and revolutions. Um, uh, I thought some of the action in the last third was was particularly good, um, but yeah, I mean, as far as it being the fourth uh, Matrix film, I, I don't know that it it scratched that itch um, in a satisfying way. Nor do I think that it it kind of works as a standalone. Nor do I think it works as kind of a reboot of a new series. So. Okay. Um, it sounds like you didn't come down in the middle on it, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> well, no, I, I mean, I, I well put it this way: I thought the first. If you consider it three acts, I thought I thought the first act was bad. I thought the second act was, uh, and I thought the third one was good. So okay. uh, it's kind of like a straight line for me. Um, but definitely, yeah. If if you were to uh, to to call it uh, in a in a in a black or white, did I like it or not? I probably wouldn't recommend it. Okay. Um, but I, like I found some of the first thirty minutes like painful to endure, to be honest. <laughs> and I thought it kind of it kind of got better as it went along. Um. But then, you know, aside from the first one, I don't necessarily have a great affinity for The Matrix anyway. Um, yeah. I, I don't really care for two or three. I, I think one is great. But um, I think every time they go back to that well, 
I never think they they properly recapture what made Magic. it great in the first yeah. place. I just saw the second one for the first time, and I, I think I'm actually high on it relative to a lot of other people. I really liked it. But even yeah. still, I was kind of like, but it's not... I think it's because so much of it is in the revelation of the plot and the world and the concepts. And yeah. you're actually kind of, you're less interested in the humans revolting against the machines. You're not as interested in that as you are finding out about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that's why the, I mean, the, the memes and the cultural ephemera of the movie is the, the concept of being Neo and waking up and seeing the world for what it really is. It's not, him fighting against it it's him realizing what it is is the thing that's culturally relevant about those movies yeah i mean and and the whole living in a simulation da, 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 i mean that's that's kind of a, a very rote point mm. in 2022 and that's not to say that matrix resurrections necessarily tries to take that angle again but what they what they do uh i just didn't find super compelling or satisfying um the kind of uh main plot let's say of the second half of the film i didn't find super well explained why it was happening nor did i fi- find kind of the conclusion of it super interesting or satisfying either it kind of spends a lot of time retreading old ground as you might expect from a, a reboot um and the action is so fucking bad <laughs> um it's like it's shot by different people i don't know like when, when you think of the old matrix especially the matrix it, it's like the kung fu shot it is it's obviously an homage to like kung fu films um with with whatever you want to call the tones of it what what that what it means and so on but it's it, a lot of it is homage to like kung fu films and it's shot, no, shot really well shot really interestingly whereas you, you, there's an action scene in the middle of this film where they're in like a stairwell it's just so flat. It's just so flat and uninteresting the way it's shot. Um, yeah, I mean, I overall was was disappointed by. It. I I didn't care for the 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 meta element of it, nor did I care for let let's call it the the core matrix right. part of the story. I just found it all a bit underwhelming. Um, but there's people out there who absolutely loved it. I just wasn't one of them. But I didn't hate it either. It was like it was okay. It was like a. I think I gave it like a five on Letterboxd, like a, a two and a half stars. Okay. Um, watched a film called Come On, Come On, which is the new Joaquin Phoenix, uh, Mike Mills directed film, uh, who did uh, 20th Century Women a few years ago, which I absolutely loved. So I don't know if either of you guys saw 20th Century Women when it came out, but that film was absolutely great. And Come On, Come On is the uh, his new one, starring, like I said, Joaquin Phoenix. He plays a... Um, a man who has uh, a sister who's he's somewhat estranged from uh, relating to their mother's death. And he gets called on to mind her son because she's dealing with personal issues with her, her own kind of estranged husband who's going through like um, alcoholism issues and so on. So it's kind of like a road trip movie of sorts with Joaquin Phoenix and uh, minding, minding this young boy. Uh, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. I thought it was absolutely charming. Uh, very naturalistic performance by the kid. I, I, I'm a, a stickler for bad kid performances in yeah. movies. Yeah. Um, one of the best performances by a kid I've seen in a long, long time. I think that's partially due to the fact that so much of the film feels like improvised. It doesn't feel like, 
go little Jimmy, read your script mm-hmm. out so so mommy can get lots of money and get plastic surgery. It doesn't feel cynical in that way. It feels very like wholesome and 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 like a lot of love went into the project. Uh, a lot of it feels it's shot in black and white. A lot of it feels very documentary style as well mm-hmm. because Joaquin Phoenix in it plays like a uh, a guy who does like podcasts or whatever. He's interviewing kids about the future and what they, they want, want to achieve in the future. And so sometimes you kind of forget you're watching a, a, a like a narrative feature. You think you're watching like a documentary. But uh, I just thought it was like super cute, super charming. The relationship between Wacky and the kid is very nice. Um, so I'd highly, highly recommend that. One of the, be- one of the best of the year. Uh, that's called Come On, Come On. And then finally, or, or sorry, penultimately uh watched a brazilian film called a dog's will which is uh if you look up letterboxd top 250 it's number nine on their list uh, it's a film natty has been recommending uh to me for years and years and years and we finally got a chance to watch it, it, it finally we found a version of it on youtube with english subtitles okay and it is very funny it it, it kind of feels like a Terence Hill, Bud Spencer, uh, kind of Western comedy along the lines of like a, a Boot Hill or something like that. Uh, it's very kind of skitty. It, it, it kind of moves from one skit to the next in, in almost like a Monty Python way. Um, very funny. Obviously, some of it is kind of lost in translation. Matthew was explaining to me kind of how much of it is like regional related and stuff right. like that. Um, but still very funny. Um, the only issue I had with it was, I, th- I believe it's, it was originally a TV miniseries, kind of along the lines of like Stephen King's It, that they then edited down into a feature length. Okay. Um, and like the writing is great. The performances are great, but it was like, it was like edited by a, like a blind man because it's, it's like so choppily edited. Uh, what I would liken it to is if you ever watch, you know, uh, MasterChef, right? Do you know the way sometimes they get in and they they have to like butcher a like a chicken or something, and you have the some the, some of the chefs who don't know what they're doing, and so you just get like this this horrible butchered mess. It's like yeah, you've taken this beautiful ingredient, and what have you done with it? Um, but I I thought it was just despite the choppy editing, I thought it was very very fun. Goes in some real weird directions towards the end, but like very satisfyingly so. Um. But like I say, it, it is, it is, uh, there's a lot of, uh, Brazilian quality to it that if you're not familiar with, you might not quite get what's happening or, or what the relevance of certain things are. Right. But even so, I thought it was very accessible and, and like I said, very, very funny, uh, more, more than anything else. Uh, it's called A Dog's Will and it's number nine on the Letterbox Top 250. So if you're interested in that, it's wow. on YouTube with English subtitles. Um, and then finally, actually, finally, Watch a little movie on Disney Plus called Encanto, mm-hmm. which I know has also been watched by Joe Towner. So I'm going to use it as a segue for him to do his movies. But Joe, yeah, Encanto, what did you make of it? Uh, poor man's Coco. So oh, well, I mean, insofar as it's got like Latin characters in it, I don't it, think it's, it's got, like they saw Coco. Too many other. They saw Coco <laughs> and they went, "Oh, we should have one like that." But they've done Mexico. What else can you do? Columbia. Columbia. Yeah. yeah, and then they kind of, yeah. I didn't feel the characters were particularly interesting, and the story wasn't that interesting either. Right. <laughs> and the animation was kind of fine, just yeah, good, not not great. Um, some of the songs actually were very good. That's, that would be, I think, the 
best element of it for me. Some of the right. songs were really kind of fun, but uh, yeah, overall, not a, not a memorable uh, Disney movie. Oh my god, I think I'm completely on the opposite end of the scale to you mm. in, in almost every regard. Um, I well, I I didn't love it either. I must say, but um, <laughs> I thought it was. Well, first of all, yeah, I, I don't know that it's, it's it's even that close. Like, it's, the story is completely different to Coco. Co- obviously, Coco is brilliant. Yeah, it doesn't come close to touching that. But um, I thought it was really, really good. Really much better than I expected going in until, like, the last 20 minutes when they wrap everything up in the least satisfying way possible and just... Uh, Oh, don't just, just everything's fine now. On the end, um, I, I, I really like the characters in it a lot. I thought the animation was great, uh, one of the best looking films I've seen in a while. Best looking anime. I thought the music was actually quite hit and miss. I, I thought there was one, one song I thought was really good, hmm. which was the, um, the big, like, strong sister, yeah, the drip, 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 drip. Like, I, I thought that was great. Everything else, I could kind of. Uh, give or take, um, or leave, leave or take. Um, but yeah, just the ending I thought was really, really flat. Because <laughs> um, the for those who don't know, Encanto is, is is basically about this magical house where every every kind of uh, branch of the family tree, when they reach a certain age, they they get given a power by the house. So you have one sister who's really strong, one sister who can tell the future, or one brother who can tell the future, one sister who can. Uh, hear things from miles away. One sister who can like create flowers and stuff. And then the main uh, character in the film, um, Mir- Mirabelle, mm. uh, on her day, she doesn't get a gift. It doesn't happen. And so it's kind of the fallout of that. Um, and so I don't think it's a spoiler to say, like you, you'd go into that movie hearing that with full expectations of, well, the end of the film is going to be like, you know, the the power was actually the love of your family that you had inside. It was never about the powers, right? And um, and so in the end, there's a bit where they like, you know, bad things happen. They lose their powers, right? And but in working together, they resolve the problem, and and so you get that message of well, the real power was the, the f- familial bond. Uh, but then they just get their powers back anyway for, for no reason whatsoever. Um, so there's a little bit of you know in Rise of Skywalker excellent film rise of skywalker where c-3po has to like give up his memories yeah and then they're just like oh fuck just have him back <laughs> like well what's the point of sacrificing it um so yeah i mean i i thought encanto was mostly very good uh but like as far as not sticking the landing goes i, I was just like oh no they just they just stopped trying 20 minutes to go they just stopped trying but prior to that i thought it was very good um no, I kind of wish the songs were a bit better. I, I found some of them bordering on a bit annoying, to be honest. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Lynn Madeline Miranda, the hardest working man in show business today. Yeah. yeah he, um, had, he had a busy year. Yeah. He had voice Bruno. No. Why do you want his voice in a fucking milk boy Miranda coming back? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 we don't need any invoice in anything. No. Um No, but you know. Uh I thought I thought it was fine. Right. So uh, any more movies? 
Joe, less it. impressed. But tell us about movies you were impressed with, Joe. Right, I've got seven movies, but I'm only there's only two that I'm actually going to go into. The other five, I'll kind of whiz through quickly. Uh, okay. The Power of the Dog, um, kind of western starring Benedict Cumberbatch as a I don't know what you'd call him, like a rancher or a cattleman or something. Mm. He's quite kind of toxic, very toxic character. Is living with his sister, played by Kirsten Dunst, and uh, her son, who's quite a sort of more sensitive character. So it's kind of focuses on the relationship. To Bendit coming back to this. Um, very good movie. I wasn't, it was, it's Jane Campion directed. Uh, I wasn't kind of expecting too much, but we watched it and I thought it was really, really effective kind of drama. So I definitely recommend that The Power of the Dog. Uh, we watched The Lost Daughter on Netflix, um, which stars Olivia Coleman as a kind of solo traveler on holiday at a resort in Greece who's trying to kind of get away from it but ends up quite. Quite kind of intimidated by a lot of the other people who are in in the resort, um, various types of characters, and um, it then starts. There are flashbacks, kind of back to her raising her children and the kind of complications of that relationship. And um, so again, quite a a good sort of solid drama. It's very kind of um, tense at points, and, and Olivia Coleman really does a fantastic job with it. As does the the actress in the flashback scenes. Uh, so I'd absolutely recommend that as well. Um, we watched Saberg, which is um, a kind of biopic starring, uh, what's her name, Christian Stewart, um, of uh, Jean Seberg, who's an actress in the kind of 50s, 60s, had a lot of French films, including uh, Breathless, uh, Jean-Luc Godard. Um, she got involved with the Black Panther movement in the 60s and then became a target of kind of CIA um, mm. sort of track it or FBI or CIA, I don't know, whichever one does it. FBI, whichever one Edgar Hoover was doing. I think it was FBI. Um, <laughs> it ends up being kind of monitored by them. To be honest, not a brilliant movie, but I think the performances are very good. So Christian Scher is always, she's a fantastic actress. She was really, really good in it. Um, Anthony Mackie is in it as well and is, puts in oh. a really, really strong performance. Um, yeah, so uh, I wouldn't say recommend it unless you're a big, massive Christian Stewart fan, but um, yeah, it, was, it was all right. Uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which is a French film that came out a couple of years ago about a kind of about a, w- a woman that goes to this kind of island to paint the portrait of another woman who is being kind of married off as, as people were. It was set in nothing in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in those days, they didn't have, you know, Instagram or Tinder. So what would happen <laughs> is you you know rich people would have a portrait painted of their kind of daughter which would then oh, yeah. be sent around to like wealthy kind of you know bachelors to show oh here's our daughter she's very beautiful yeah, yeah. are you up for a bit of it basically yeah um and so yeah it kind of the, the relationship between the the artist and and the, the woman in question is kind of the centerpiece of that really beautifully kind of visual film really kind of interesting interesting relationship and characters in that so i definitely give that a big thumbs up as well uh and also the suicide squad not suicide squad so this mm. is the kind of sequel slash reboot um by your man uh james gunn uh, who mm. did of course uh, guardians of the galaxy I never actually saw the the first kind of Suicide Squad movie, but I take it it was just standard like DC quite it was shit, bad, quite shit, you know, yeah. fun, tries to be funny, not really funny, not, not great, funny, not funny, bad you know, songs, yeah, usual stuff. So I never bothered watching that, um, but I watched this one, and this is a really fucking weird movie. He goes, <laughs> it was basically like, well, James Gunn did Guardians of the Galaxy, which was huge. So let's just let him do whatever he wants with this. And he mm. did indeed do whatever he wanted. 
characters are just incredibly weird, um, incredibly kind of niche comic book characters, which he, he selects. Um, it's confronted by Idris Elba, which I, I didn't realise, but he's he's really good in it. And he actually gets to use his British accent, which is quite a rarity. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like black British actors never get to do their, <laughs> their own accent. I think Americans maybe find it a bit too confusing to to see a black person speaking with a British accent. They just can't quite get their head around it. So but he's he's really good in it. And it is, it is just bonkers. So I kind of, I enjoyed it because of the weirdness. It does get... Uh, kind of sags a bit for me in the middle I sort of lost interest a little bit but then it does pick up for the final kind of battle which is just incredibly bizarre as well and involves a starfish um but yeah I would recommend it like as just kind of a weird little objet um comic book movie that's just very different from all the others and yeah worth watching weird thing is of course it has Margot Robbie in it doing the uh, the Harley Quinn character again, and just, yeah. she's, still, she's doing the thing she does in the other movies, but in this very kind of weird, almost art house movie. So yeah. it's, it's very odd. But I didn't like, James Gordon was asked, like, "Oh, is this a sequel?" He was like, uh, "I don't. It's a I just fucking made this movie. Stop asking me these stupid questions." <laughs> you know, I, I rewatched it actually in my in my little fucking quarantine hovel. Mm. It's really fun. It's just so so yeah. fun. Um. Uh. Yeah. And I. I like. Um. I like Sylvester Stallone. They. They even right down to doing like the stunt casting for the Groot like character. They. Mm. They did that exact yeah. thing. Uh, yeah. But he was. He was great. It's. It's. It's tremendous fun. It was. It was very good. Uh. So final two movies. Um. Probably my two picks of the Christmas period that we that we saw at the cinema. Um. So firstly, West Side Story. Um. Mm. Steven Spielberg kind of adaptation of uh what was a 50s musical and then a, a movie as well uh, i'm not a huge musical fan i mean i like some of them um small michelle that, that's a big musical fan yeah. um, but we went to see it and i was i was kind of expecting you know sort of run-of-the-mill reboot or remake of a, a classic sort of musical that people love you know probably be fine whatever actually it was really really good um i thought it was so much better than the original kind of 1950s movie, which has not aged particularly well, really kind of naff. Um, if you don't know the story of West Side Story, it's kind of, it's Romeo and Juliet essentially, but set in 1950s New York um, with the sharks and the jets um, as gangs. And one gang is um, kind of uh, the white population. So kind of Irish, Italian, Polish, Dutch, and the other, and the other is uh, Puerto Ricans who have just kind of recently come to America. And so the conflict is about, you know, these two sort of, first generation immigrants against these sort of second and third generation immigrants and the, and the tensions in, in New York between them. Uh, in the original movie, all of the Puerto Ricans were played by uh, Greek men with shoe polish in their hair and very bad <laughs> fake tans doing incredibly offensive uh, Puerto Rican accents. What was so, Chris Jericho in it? <laughs> okay. Um, so the, the, obviously uh, the same mistake was not made in this one. So it was it was far more kind of authentic. And there's a lot of scenes that are fully in Spanish with no subtitles because Spielberg didn't want to kind of, you know, put Spanish on a different plane from, from the English scenes. He wanted it to be equal. So he didn't have subtitles, which obviously you can kind of follow what's going on. It was uh, from, from the scene, but I thought that was a you know an interesting choice. Songs, are, are, it's the same songs from the original, but they're, they're really, really well done. And the dark sequences are just fantastic. Like the, the choreography, the scale of them, the look, it's just, it's incredibly bright kind of film, very colorful film. And it, it's just fantastic. Um, Ansel Elgort is in it playing the kind of lead character. 
Um, he's all right. He's not. He's not brilliant. He's not brilliant. The actual supporting character who plays his best friend is fantastic. Like he's absolutely brilliant. Um, so yeah, surprisingly, I I really really enjoyed it, and I've been kind of. It's one of those musicals where you probably know a lot of the songs, even if you've never seen it, just because they're all individually such kind of well-known songs like America and God, yeah, St. Maria and songs like that. But yeah, I really loved it. And then, you know, I've been listening to the soundtrack on Spotify last couple of weeks as well. And that's why I got my, my album of the year. It's been a bit of a bomb. It only took $50 million worldwide yeah. against, I guess, assume like at least a hundred million dollar budget, which is a shame. I, I don't know if it's just people on, it didn't have the right audience. It wasn't marketed well, but I thought it was actually really, really good. One of the best kind of musical f- movies I've seen in, in a long time. So I would recommend West Side Story. And the other, th- the other film I'd recommend is Paul Thomas Anderson's latest movie, uh, Licorice Pizza. Um, so this is set, it's a coming of age tale set in 1970s Los Angeles. It stars uh, Alana Haim, who's one of the, one of the lovely ladies from the band, Haim. Uh, she's the youngest one. I think it's her acting debut. I don't think she's done any sort of significant acting before. Um, she plays this kind of lead, um, sort of 25-year-old uh, ladies working as a kind of school photographer. So she goes into schools and does the, you know, the school portraits and things like that. And she gets kind of chatted up by this like very charming, kind of confident 15-year-old kid uh, played by Philip Seymour Hoffman's son, uh, which I didn't actually realise until after the, the movie. Mm. Um, yeah, she gets chatted up by him and they kind of form this sort of strange quasi-romantic friendship relationship um, that is then kind of followed through the movie. It's quite a, it's, it's what you'd call like a hangout movie. It's not particularly plot heavy. It is more kind of slices of life of, of 1970s America. And they mm. kind of go through, um, you know, these different kind of mini stories that they progress through but it's a lot of it's about kind of adolescence and growing up and um you know moving from kind of childhood to adulthood but the relationship between them was fantastic it's really really fun i really enjoyed spending time with the characters you know i didn't want it to end when the movie ended i could have happily watched even more um i thought it was it was fantastic absolutely one of my favorite Paul Thomas Anderson movies and you know he's made Ooh. some he's made some really wow. really good ones yeah. it's probably a lot, it's a lot kind of lighter and more a bit more fun a bit more lighter than some of his movies like you know There Will Be Blood for example which is mm. we watched yesterday which is obviously um, quite an intense film it's not it's not like that or The Master it's a little bit lighter a bit more fun um, but absolutely kind of fantastic uh, characters and a real, real real joy to watch so yeah big thumbs up for that uh, and for West Side Story as well. Yeah, I, I'd like to check both of them out. I would like to see West Side Story before it leaves the, the cinemas in particular. Um, yeah. Uh, some movies from myself here. The only kind of recent one uh, worth talking about was uh, Don't Look Up, which was uh, all the buzz over the holiday period on Netflix. This mm. is the latest uh, Adam McKay film. He of... The Big Short and executive producer on Succession, I believe. Also, um, I, I, it's highly polarizing, real uh, subject of debate type thing. I, I, I came down on the side of I just didn't really like it, and I love The Big Short. Um, yeah. For those of you who don't know what it is, basically Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence pay, uh, play um, like um, uh, astronomists or, or or whatever you would uh, call them. Um, people who work in an observatory uh, <laughs> and look at the sky all day and that. 
Um, they discover a a comet that's heading towards Earth, and it it's massive, and it's definitely going to hit Earth, and it's going to obliterate Earth and wipe out humanity. Uh, and so they then have to kind of go through the rigmarole of trying to get in touch with uh, the White House and the Pentagon and NASA and, and, and try and get through to the powers that be that, hey, there's this impending doom that we have to deal with. It's going to be like six months. We're going to be wiped out. And it it becomes kind of obvious fairly early on. And this is not necessarily a knock, but just to kind of emphasize what 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 the what the premise is, they they eventually get a meeting with the president, and then the president is like, "Oh my god, that sounds terrible. We'll do something about that. Don't you worry, you know." But maybe not right now. And I think even in that very first scene, there's like a common past of mm, she doesn't want to rattle people before midterms next week. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and then, you know, so they kind of realize they kind of hit a brick wall. So then they try and go to uh, the news outlets and get on television and tell their story there. Um, uh, but when they go on the this like knockoff of like The View, OK, or something along those lines, it's uh, it's a complete farcical shit show they ha- ariana grande is in the movie she's playing a a fictional version of her or of herself under some other name she's kind of doing this very staged publicity breakup with another musician and they make up on the show and then leonardo dicaprio's character has to come out and try and talk about the world ending um and the the hosts are keeping it all frothy and it's a little bit of a commentary on hey, news as entertainment and entertainment as news and so on and so forth. And so basically what you get really early on is that it's, so it's basically a euphemism for climate specifically, climate disaster specifically, but also just very broadly, you could even probably apply it to like COVID and stuff like that as well. That, you know, the powers that be are very self-servicing. They don't want to tackle issues head on if it'll upset voters. You try and talk to the people directly in the media, but the, but news is entertainment now, and you get drowned out by whatever the current celebrity drama is and so on and so forth. And then you can eventually get roped into promoting your cause as some kind of possible money-making venture or, or product. Uh, and that's also, you know, ultimately useless. And then in the second half of the film, it segues into very awkward, very obvious. You can spot a mile coming away into, oh, but then the issue becomes culture war and it becomes uh, 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 not actually addressing the issue. It becomes about uh, left versus right uh, virtue signaling, you know, uh, 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 things like that. And none of that is like wrong i i would say even as someone who didn't enjoy the movie i i wouldn't say well the movie's point is dumb or the movie's point is is not reflective of reality i think my, my issue is kind of it, it was almost too accurately reflecting of reality to the point that i wasn't especially interested hmm. it's like if you swapped the word comet in this movie for just what it's actually about which is climate you wouldn't even call it a satire. It would just be a movie about what's going on in the mm. world. It's like, it's simultaneously like, what if we, let's, let's, let's make a satire about uh, politicians playing hot potato with the climate issue. And we'll put the word comet in there, but the entire rest of the film is going to be actually kind of scarily accurate and grounded in reality. And I was like, 
I it was kind of boring then as a result because I was like, okay, mm. I was like, in, in an hour's time, they're going to have people who happen to have red hats with white text on them, by the way. What could I possibly be alluding to? <laughs> uh, chanting in the streets that they're not going to look up because the, the scientists are saying, look up and see it for yourself. And then the politicians are saying, uh, maybe if the liberals want you to look up, maybe we won't look up, folks. And, and I'm just like... I get it. I fucking get it. I get what you're doing. The movie is also two hours and 40 minutes long. Oh. And and my main issue is that, as I said, in that first conversation they have with the, with the president, uh, which is uh, Meryl Streep, I think, it was very good. In it. A lot of the performances are good. It's like, you get it. Okay, I get what this is going to be. They're going to come to her later, and it's going to be post-midterms, and she's going to address it. And then they take it super seriously, and then in the second meeting, they're like, oh, but there's what? Like, uh, Oh, so you're saying there's like a 99% chance it's going to kill us. Let's call it 70% and not worry about it. You know, it's like you can like see it beat for beat as it's going to mm-hmm. happen. You, you, could write, you could watch 20 minutes of the film and then write the rest of it yourself. Um, and, and as for that runtime, it's padded out with, they try and do some kind of human drama with the DiCaprio character. He has like an affair with one of the, the, the daytime TV hosts he interviews that felt so unnecessary. Again, mm-hmm. I kind of get what they were going for, but, um, yeah, I just thought it was, it was a, a bit of a bummer. Um, uh, I thought the, the, the big short was simultaneously funnier and weirder, despite the fact that that was straighter and more literal and about a thing that actually happened uh and yet it managed to walk that line much better than this film that's supposed to be kind of a highly kind of uh slightly over the top version of reality but in actuality it wasn't so that was a bit of a bummer uh don't look up um uh, other than that i watched uh was a gunpowder milkshake from earlier this year or early sorry last year which is kind of like, like uh, it, I know people compare every action movie lately to John Wick, but this one is really trying to do the John Wick thing. You you know go into a shop and it's not actually what the shop is. It's run by the Guild of Assassins, and you say, well, give, I'd, "I'd like to take out this book from this library," and they're like, "Oh, you wanted that book?" And they open up the fucking book, and it's a gun. You know, it's like they, it, it's doing that thing. Um, and I thought it had good action scenes, but I thought all the character and world building stuff was very, very flat. Mm-hmm. It also, um, I think deliberately, not in a shitty way that most movies do, I think it's deliberately going for a very clean CGI heavy kind of look, like intentionally, which I thought I kind of liked early on. And then as the movie drifted on, you had that feeling of it, this all just looks fake and like it's just uh, uh, impossible to kind of take seriously in any in any real way. So that was a... a that was a disappointment because I, I thought that, based on the trailers and stuff, I thought that looked good. Uh, and then a couple of quick ones here. I finally, for the first time, saw Jennifer's Body. Um, uh, that was a recommendation for everyone. I really oh, yeah. enjoyed it. Uh, very wacky, uh, uh, very cheesy, very on the nose. Um, uh, but in a way that's mm. so on the nose, it's just like you have to have to appreciate it, have to appreciate it, what it's doing. In the way that Don't Look Up wasn't. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind like, of like... A, I suppose that kind of even proves my point. It's like, I, I don't mind yeah. the on the noseness, but it's just so going for it that I'm like, okay, it's, it's so cheese that I have to like it. Megan Fox, yeah. fantastic in that movie. Fantastic in that movie. Um, uh, so I enjoyed that one. Uh, I, I These next two were, were also picks from Brona. I think she was on a Heath Ledger kick. I saw <laughs> these for the first time. Uh, a Knight's Tale, which was the oh, kind yeah. of... Uh, um, uh, jousting medieval times kind of comedy uh from 2001 which 
I couldn't stop thinking about how it just felt like Shrek, but live action because <laughs> it's like medieval times, jousting knights and, and shit comedy, but with tons of real life needle drop current era, well, current 2001 music uh, playing. They, they, they play, uh, we will rock you during the opening credits, but the people in the medieval times are singing it and, and banging their swords on the ground to the tune of we will rock you. So it just has that tone the whole way through it. It's not as annoying as that sounds. It's overall a very enjoyable movie. Great Paul Bettany performance in it as a supporting role. He's like, um, he's not quite a squire. Basically, every jouster has a person who basically is their own little Ricardo Rodriguez and does their intros before the joust. And that's what Paul Bettany is. He's very, very good in it. He plays Chaucer. I don't know if that's what Chaucer actually was in real life, but that they, you know. He, Every movie like that has to have an actual historical person in it doing something like that. Uh, and also, for the first time, I saw 10 Things I Hate About You, uh, which is certainly quite a, a sizable gap in my my backlog of uh, zeitgeisty movies. Uh, the most 90s film possibly of all time. You've got, <laughs> you've got Heartthrob Heath Ledger. You've got young Joseph Gordon-Levitt. You've got people popping up from uh, uh, Sabrina, You've got people popping up uh, from oh, there was something else, something else, incredibly nineties television show. I can't remember what it is. It's escaping me at the moment. Oh, someone from there's like um, Bernard from the Tim Allen, the Santa Claus movie is in it. Um, just pure raw nineties. J.K. Simmons is in it as well as a as a kind of wacky teacher. Um, uh, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Um, uh, kind of similar to what was discussed earlier. Really tapers off at the end. Um, uh, Jennifer Stiles' character reads the most cliche poem you've ever seen in a romantic comedy about Heath Ledger's character. And then despite the fact that she just found out he was like a shithead who was going out with her for money, like literally like two minutes before the credits, he like gives her a guitar and they fall in love and then the credits roll. I'm like, what? Did you run out of time when you were making this fucking movie? What happened? Um, but other than that, it was good. Uh, quintessential teen rom-com and so 90s. I mean, it's so, so intensely 90s. Um, yeah, that was all my movie off for the week. And I suppose with that, we can jump into our the CSP Oscars here. The uh, mm. of the year um, for the movie off. Uh, we'll swing back to Paul, I suppose, for, for this. Yeah. Um... <sighs> Not really a year where there was, you know, stuff head and shoulders above the rest. Mm. Um, I was talking with my brother earlier today, and my top five and his top five are pretty pretty identical, which is the first time that's happened in a decade. Because he'll usually have arty farty, oh, number one, and I'll have <laughs> Hawkeye. Um, so I'll say it was very, very close, but... Uh, I'll go. I'll go for the French Dispatch as my favorite of the ah, year. Okay. Um, just smiling for the first forty minutes of it, and uh, because it's an anthology movie, it's like three parts. Two of them are like nine or ten out of ten, and one that was like a seven or an eight. But God, that that first bit, I just enjoyed so much. Um, but other films pushed it close. But I will. I will keep them for my honorable mentions. How about you, Joe? Um, Honourable mentions, I, I, I kind of just covered so West Side Story, uh, Licorice Pizza, definitely up there. It's two of my favourites. Uh, Power of the Dog as well, it's really good. 
Um, my top two of the year, though, um, runner-up for honourable mention would be The Green Knight, which I was very surprised by. It was visually stunning, incredibly great performance by Dev Patel, just a, overall a, a treat. It was a feast and a treat and a delightful, delightful film. Um, but I'm going to give my movie of the year to one that, that kind of touched me uh, on a more individual level, and I, it's probably not as good as a film as the other ones I just mentioned but for me personally it just worked the best and that would be Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho the uh, mm. ghost, ghost movie set in London's uh, Soho in the 60s and modern day which I absolutely loved and can't wait it's out on Blu-ray in a couple of weeks yes that will definitely be a pickup for sure uh, for myself uh, I would have to go with uh, Minari my favorite film of the year just so incredibly sweet and poignant and that family dynamic is so wonderfully done i mean it's so so great and a phenomenal performances up and down uh, the cast it's just not a role i typically would have expected steven yoon to be in but he's tremendous in it and um yeah i loved every second actually i want to re-watch it actually that i was mm. looking because it's what i actually watched it fairly early in the year i think it was a 2020 festival film um, like a general release in 21. Uh, so yeah, love that. Uh, honorable mentions. Yeah, I had last night at Soho, Shiva Baby, Malignant, and The Father uh, for my honorable mentions. And we'll also wrap up honorable mentions by going back to Paul. Yeah, uh, I'll just echo the love for The Green Knight, um, especially that there was that bit from Leak Slip in it, which is where I live. <laughs> uh, the Father, which, uh, which could have been bad. Uh, given that it was a first time director, it was the guy who did the play directing the film. That doesn't mm. always work. But bad God, Anthony Hopkins, uh, given the, the, the Brian Danielson hour long performance, uh, the Broadway, <laughs> he was absolutely tremendous in it. Especially there's a bit at the end that I, I won't spoil, but there's a bit at the end that in anyone else's hands would have come off. Yeah as like funny in a bad yeah. way but the way he delivers it just fucking destroys you uh, and i'll just mention come on come on which i reviewed earlier today and the beatles get back rounds out my top five all righty uh that is movie guff there we will jump in to the game golf this is a, a marathon show um, I don't know if we want to like save the wrestling and those awards for next week or something. Um, as we run late here and we still got a lot of game golf and awards and emails to do. Um, I don't know. We can on the fly here production meeting. I don't know how you'll fight. <laughs> um, how long? How long is game buff going to be? We, uh, we'll rip through these, I suppose, as quickly as we can. Let's yeah. Let's let's just let's not. Uh, I don't have an email anyway. I, I have an email, but I can hold it for next week. So thank you, emailer. I will get it to next week. Uh, Game Guff here. We'll just jump in very quick. I finished two games I was talking about before Christmas. Psychonauts 2 and Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians, I mean, maybe the best surprise of the year. Um, charming and funny and legit. I mean, it's very MCU. It's it. I feel like it giving a cliche MCU review where it's like, a surprising amount of heart as well. Um, but it is. it does legitimately like... Um, uh, dive into those characters in a super interesting way. So I think uh, non fans might get something out of it, but if you if you care at all about about Marvel characters or the Guardians movies in particular, absolutely give that a spin. Uh, Psychonauts two, uh, 
like as close to a perfect video game I think as you can possibly get. Um, wow. I loved basically every minute and element of this movie from the way it looked, it sounded, it's incredible wordplay and the way it conveyed fairly big ideas, but not only conveyed them very interestingly and insightfully and humorously, but then it, it manifested them as gameplay mechanics in ways that I just did not expect at all. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. And again, I mean, we've talked a lot about the greatness of Game Pass in the last few months on this podcast. This is a Game Pass game. I mean, I can't sing the praises of, of that service any more than saying this game is on there. So absolutely check it out, even if you've no attachment to the original or never touched it. Uh, jumped into a little bit of Gang Beasts again uh, uh, on New Year's Eve with my pals. That game is still great. It's a little kind of ragdoll physics-y Super Smash Brothers style thing. But despite the fact it came out years ago and just came to Game Pass, the servers are still on fire and you get matchmaking errors even when you're playing with just three pals. Uh, so that's a shame. Uh, I dived into Far Cry 6 um, over the break. That was a perfect game to play while I was in my little isolation chamber because it is that junk food Ubisoft formula thing where... And, and the, the core of, of, of that that I like is that I always like the Far Cry mechanics. I like the sneaking. I like the climbing. I like the stealth. I like the way the weapons feel. I like driving around the open world and causing mayhem by driving my Jeep into an enemy soldier who's on a horse. And then the horse goes flying. And then my car flips. And then I land in an alligator and things like that. Um, I I pulled over to the side of the road to repair an NPC's car, and by the time I got the repair meter full, he was being eaten by an alligator. Um, so I like all that shit. Um, uh, completely agree with anyone who thinks that the formula is overdone um, uh, and, and all that stuff. Uh, but for me, it was like a just a turn your brain off and just play play a Far Cry game thing. Uh, similarly, I played Riders Republic, which is another Ubisoft game. This is their kind of all-encompassing extreme sports thing. It's a motocross game and a yeah. wingsuit game and a snowboarding game all in one. Basically, you join this this Riders Republic, which is this big, massive area. I don't know what U.S. state it's supposed to be in. It's got snowy mountains and a forest and a fucking canyon that you can wingsuit through and all this other stuff. Um, really good. All of those individual mechanics actually work surprisingly well, considering there's Ooh. like seven or eight of them, because there's also novelty vehicles you can ride around from destination to destination. Um, okay. It is really, really good. The wingsuit stuff is really hard, but really interesting. The snowboarding stuff is like kind of conventional. If you played SSX or something like that, yeah. you kind of know what you're going for. If I could give, if I could change one thing about this game, it might be like like hovering around a nine or 10 game of the year contender, it's got to have some of the most annoying and verbose characters uh, <laughs> in a game. Like you know, like 10 years ago when this genre was very popular on the PS2, you just snowboarding games, BMX games, tons yeah. of skateboarding games in the wake of Tony Hawk, obviously. And every character's like, oh, dude, absolutely pimping 360 you pulled out there. Dude, this is where you spend <laughs> your cash on your threads, okay? And and then you fucking talk to that arsehole, and then you you start skateboarding again, and then the DJ on the radio is like, okay, here's the Kings of Leon. Um, Riders Republic, there's like four characters who have tons of dialogue. They all talk like that. You go into the menu for the tutorial and like <laughs> grab some absolutely pimptastic tricks down this slope, dude. It's that 100% of the time. 
there is some missions that are more conventional races and, and stunt shows. And then there are kind of weirder, wackier ones like with this particular crew of dudes. And they're all wearing like, oh, I'm wearing like an inner tube from a swimming pool. But I'm not in a swimming pool. I'm being a wacky character. I've got silly goggles on. It's all that fucking 50-year-old executive in a boardroom definition of cool shit. And it's so grating and it's nonstop. Um, so that's my knock on Riders Republic. But the core of it, the, the extreme sports aspect of it, uh, is good. Is good. And I'm going to keep playing it. Um, and it is absolutely massive as well. Uh, so, yeah, that is my game golf. Except, sorry, the one that we've all been playing um, uh, that we need to talk about, Wordle. Boys, oh. the game of the year front runner 2022. Um, oh. How are we loving the Wordle? It's great. It's, it's, it's simple. It's simple and effective, and yeah, it's so, it's so good that I I stay up past midnight to play. It. I don't wait till the next day. <laughs> I've done that twice now. Yes, <laughs> me and Natty make a daily occurrence of it. But I had a really a really fucking crazy guess on. To, I guess today's one, mm. um, to the point that I even was like, if 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 I had seen someone else do it what i did i would have been like no you're fucking lying you fucking looked it up or something because i went like tears cheat gorge this <laughs> 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 is fucking out of nowhere it's right i was like oh, jesus no logic in that whatsoever but it's uh it's 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 a really really fun like i play some other word games on on a daily basis but that's probably my favorite now of them and I love that everyone is, is into it as well. Yeah, yeah it, it, it is a great, like, everyone's like, oh, you got that? I know, like, every, basically everyone I know is, like, tweeting their results and reacting to it. I know Brona, like, has is her family group chat or doing it, you know, it's, <laughs> it's super fun. I, like you, I had I had a two-one. I had a guess it was into, but it's legitimately just, the most fascinating part of the meta is what's your first word. And I think the reason that's so fascinating is because if you somehow stumble across, like, four correct, and then you can nail it on the second one, oh, yeah, it's beautiful. And it's all luck in that regard. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, Wordle, uh, fantastic. Uh, what non-Wordle games have you been playing, Paul? Uh, I played a lot of Forza Horizon 5 after beating Halo Infinite. Fucking deleted that off the old Xbox. And I'm playing mm. Forza a lot. Uh, which is funny because uh, the fact that you've played it, Barry, means that you, you in inverted commas, show up in my game a lot yes. as another uh, racer. Lovely feature. Um, so that could, that's only an extra element of enjoyment. Fucking beating Murphy's ass every fucking oh, race. No problem. Um. <laughs> but it's no, it's really fun. I I kind of struggle to to see the the ten out of ten love for mm-hmm. it. I think it's a really good, really fun, beautiful looking, obviously solid racing game. But I don't know. It just it to, for me, it lacks that intangible wow factor that kind of makes a game a ten for me, or or certainly a game of the year. Um, and I'm spending a lot of time. I'm doing like clearing the map out almost uh not necessarily like everything everything but all the races certainly and, and then obviously the main stuff uh, re- really fun plays really well as well and the rewind feature uh is very welcome for for those of us who are used to it from the nintendo switch online uh speaking of i'm uh playing yoshi's island at the moment as well super mario world 2 uh on my quest to 100 i just finished world 4 uh last night out of six so i'm two-thirds of the way through the game 
uh oh what a joy now to be fair i have a lot of nostalgia for yoshi's island mm. having uh it was my first super nintendo game i ever got as a child oh but like it's it's one of the best looking super nintendo games the kind of chalk drawn world it creates mm. uh is, is so beautiful and the way it plays is really really good as well um i would recommend if 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 people um haven't haven't tried it it's it's very different to to mario world it's 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 really ostensibly not a mario world game but it's like such it's a really really well designed platformer it's got collectibles in it which aside from the dragon coins which didn't really matter mario world doesn't have so you have like five flowers per level 20 red coins per level uh to collect in fact that's kind of where the collecting red coins thing came from originally was was yoshi's island um it's great and of course, it's on Nintendo Switch Online. So if people have it, there's no excuse. Uh, and then finally, Banjo Tooie. Um, I'm kind of having been of the three games. Banjo Tooie is the one I've given the least time to, uh, ironically, given how much I loved Kazooie. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot I have to say about it, for better or worse. But I feel like I should probably wait until I'm further into the game because I've I've kind of qualms about the level design and the way yeah. certain things are implemented into it but that might only be the case early on so i think i'm it's premature if i started throwing stones at things that might not be an issue later on but that's all I've, i'm playing at the moment those three games all right and with that we can jump in to the game golf uh game of the year award um and i will to my surprise because i i, I probably wouldn't have said this when we when we broke for christmas um, but my game of the year, as, as might have been obvious from from earlier, is Psychonauts Two. Um, nice, uh, just a, a fabulous game. I mean, it really is a fabulous game. Uh, honorable yeah. mention to Resident Evil Eight and Death Store. How about you? I need to play Psychonauts. Uh, it's from everything you've said about it. Sounds like it's right up my street. I think it would. Be. Uh, I think it would. I'm be. gonna. I'm gonna definitely add it to the list. Um, bit of a weird one for me game wise because i found that a lot of the games that i really enjoyed i also had like glaring issues with so i talked about halo infinite already uh that it kind of betrays itself in the last act and kind of reverts back to type which i didn't really like at all but otherwise thought the game was great uh hitman 3 i obviously had major problems with that came out but even with the game i i found that it was the weakest of the three of the Mm -hmm. trilogy um, I didn't love Dart more as much as a lot of people did. I, th- I, th- I thought it was really good, but it's kind of a level that doesn't stand to to replay, uh, which is the way I play Hitman. I, I obviously get full mastery on every level before I move on to the next one. I, I, I'm kind of hardcore. I'm like Tommy Dreamer. I'm fucking hardcore that way. Um, but yeah, so I kind of found, I didn't find Hitman 3 bad, of course. I, I, I loved it, but I also couldn't help but feel a little disappointed in it compared to like i think hitman 2 was far and away the best of us mm. um and so the uh, the game that kind of wowed me and, and didn't let me down is one that i know you weren't quite as hot on barry as i was but i'm gonna give my game of the year to the artful escape oh okay um i just thoroughly was was grabbed by it i thought it looked great sounded great um it's as you as you actually said not really a platformer mm. but i guess i guess i kind of played it more as a kind of i don't know what you call it, like a visual novel yeah kind of game. which is kind of what it is yeah and i love the story of i love the feel of kind of hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy crossed with i don't know i, I just i just thought it was i just thought it was great 
Joe. Um, game of the year, Doom Eternal. The only Again, one wow. The only <laughs> one I played this year. Um, yeah, <laughs> by default. But it was a good game. I did enjoy it. So <laughs> Very good. There we go. Well, folks, as it is yet another milestone in Chairshot Podcast history, it is episode 550, and you know how we like to celebrate these things. It is, of course, time for another CSP quiz, and there's only one person who can produce such a quiz. All the quizzes we produce amongst ourselves, rubbish, can't compare. It is time for our annual uh, chit-chat and quizaroo with Scott the Boy McAvoy. Scott, thank you for joining us once again. Thank you for having me, guys. It's a pleasure to speak with you again. This is always a fun part of the year. Yeah, I don't appreciate that uh, bad mouthing of my quizzes, though. <laughs> Listen, you've, you've, you've. I mean, you've had some humdingers in a bad way, but you've had. Some I, I got. I all I'll say is I got a PM on Twitter in the week. Chad Gable, genius. <laughs> was that what, from from the CSP account to you? Was it? <laughs> was it from Chad Gable? <laughs> He was like, that's the most talk I've had all year, brother. What? <laughs> what? Uh, anyway, so, uh, yeah, this is always one of our, our, our best segments of the year. Great way to kick things off. Uh, so I suppose without any further ado, no point uh, dilly-dallying, I will throw to Scott, who will give us the rundown, and I guess we can get stuck in with the first round. Okay, after the last 50 weeks, I've been compiling little incidents here and there that make me chuckle or... Always get an entertaining laugh out of you guys. We'll start off with episode 500, X50. Who said, I wasn't meaning to, but I had a little spurt this week. Mm, a little spurt. <laughs> you had a little spurt. A little and I will, I will freely admit, 90% of this stuff is taken out of context. Yeah, it's all going to be Of course, there. yeah. No, we wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, yeah, we, we're not actually funny. Everything is just out of context cards. <laughs> I think I think Barry. So oh, I'm well. For Barry. I was going to say Paul. No, I immediately thought it's not going to be me. I wouldn't use spurt in that way. I well to fill it, to to fill out the circle. I'll say Joe then. Okay, I can't hear Joe, so you'll have to tell me what he is. Uh, Joe okay. guessed me. Joe guessed Barry. Okay. No, in well, fact, it was Paul. Uh, yes. you, were, you were talking about how you didn't intend on getting all hundred shines in Mario Sunshine. <laughs> ah, the Mario Sunshine Odyssey. No, that's a different game. Sorry. <laughs> Episode 505, Popeye vs. Godzilla. What movie was referred to as Blank 2, Horny Old Folks Electric Boogaloo? <laughs> <laughs> I might know. Oh, by the way, uh, since I didn't tell you, yeah, I was just say I did mark it down. I do have the quiz sheet here so I can keep track of who's got what. But Excellent. Oh. Okay. Okay. Blank two, horny old folks, boogaloo, electric was, boogaloo. Was it cocoon? I was going to say cocoon as well. See, I had no idea. Now I don't want to say cocoon just to make just to, to piggyback on the lads. Well, I said um, it first, so I get the point. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'll, but I'll, like, I'll, I'll co-sign cocoon. You know, I'm going to let it slide. Technically, it's cocoon two. Yeah, but you said blank two. It wouldn't uh, be cocoon. Well, cocoon two two. two. Said, so <laughs> cocoon two two. Cocoon 2-2, Desmond 2-2, rest in peace. Horny old oh, man. R.I.P. <laughs> <laughs> All right. In that same episode, what cruiserweight was was in a pick one that Paul ca- that caused Paul to say, I think he's the nerd's choice, which caused the other two to say, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
the nerd. I, I have an idea of who I think it would be the nerd's choice, but I won't say it because Barry will piggyback on it. <laughs> ah, what the <laughs> fuck? Sorry, so what was sorry? What was the the match or the, or the setting there, Scott? No, it, was, it was a pick one. Pick one. Okay, pick so one. So I gave okay. you three wrestlers, and they were all cruiserweights. Uh, I'm gonna say <sighs> Malenko. Ooh, that's a good answer. That is a good one. Um, I don't know. I'll, I'll guess um, Billy Kidman. No, I think Malenko as well. You Ironically, piggybacking off Barry now. Yeah, eat shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he no. had a match with Scotty Too Hardy at Backlash. <laughs> Listen, it was good. Home. It was good. Episode 506, Shag Mario. what video game was being discussed that caused Barry who was accused of being cheap to exclaim I've bought every cunty one of their expansions (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) okay hang on let's think about this what would Barry have bought expansions for aside from memory expansions for his Xbox um <laughs> I think mm. I know. I'm gonna eat you go first because I often don't listen during the game segments. So yeah, disadvantage. I go for Uncharted. Hmm. I have no mm. idea whether he's ever played that, but I have. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. It's good. I'm thinking more recent than that. Uh, expansions. What do you have expansions for? Oh, um, I don't think Barry plays that really. Um, oh, I don't know. I'm gonna say uh, Call of Duty. I, I, I don't know that this is right, but this is just makes. I think this would line up. Hitman. You are correct, Barry. It was Hitman. Mm. Ah. This, this was immediately after you had spent five hundred dollars on two different consoles and another five hundred dollars <laughs> on memory for the Xbox. They called you cheap. Yeah. Well, to be I mean, to be fair, those Hitman expansions are way too expensive for what you get them. Yeah, yeah, but listen, when it when you're when you're like me, it's not yeah. dropping the ocean. Pal. Drop when you're wiping your hole with fifties, yeah, yeah, fifty gigabytes of memory, pal, is what I'm <laughs> That must be uncomfortable. <laughs> it's more about the it's more about the power dynamics. To be quite honest, with you. <laughs> uh, episode five oh seven, toast to Tesco. What wonder of the world was being discussed that caused one of the hosts to call another? Okay, Carl Pilkington. <laughs> I think it was the great. I'm going to go the pyramids. The pyramid of Giza, is it? Yeah, the I think great, I always thought the pyramid as well. Oh, you should have stuck with your first initial answer there, Joe. It great was pyramid. the Great Wall. Great Wall. Oh, great Wall. Paul, Paul said the Great Wall was just a long wall, and then he called the Great Pyramid <laughs> the Great Triangle, which it isn't oh. a triangle at all. What is that? It's a what 3D is triangle. That? Yeah, I, I think the pyramid is that that um, having to go with the pyramid is, is maybe off. But the Great Wall says a fellow who was amazed because he recognized a shed in the background of the Green Knight a couple of months ago. Like, <laughs> well, that's very dis- that's very disrespectful to the shed, but it's like a corn silo or something. <laughs> Episode five oh nine, kaiju ish. Who uttered the sentence? Have there been any secret poops? <laughs> <laughs> secret poops? 
<laughs> what I like about this segment every year is we just get to laugh at our own jokes. Again, <laughs> well, that's not even a joke. I don't. I have no idea what that's a reference. Um, Secret poops. Uh, I'll say me. Sounds like something I think I would say. Maybe I, I, I'll go Paul. I'll go Paul. It was indeed Paul. He was watching really? a very nice little dog, and it had been taking ah, around the house. Oh, time. Of course, that yeah, of course. Heidi, the dog. Episode five twelve. Pent Ogon. What movie was referenced to Paul that caused him to say "fuck you, Scott"? Ooh. <laughs> so what was that a movie? <laughs> um, the Raid Two. Oh, that's a good guess. Um, oh God! Well, I'm thinking Pentagon, right? That would that was like the St. Paddy's Day episode. That's when Pentagon had the little hat on. Yeah. Oh, um, so what would have I've seen around March? Or, or I'm assuming this is like in an email from you, Scott. Uh, and I read that saying, "Fuck you! You, you don't like fucking." Transformers the last night. Um, it's always Transformers the last night. Why do you always go to that one? Anyway, I'll say um, I'll say the the last Jedi. Oh fuck! Um, the Three Stooges. Oh, Barry pulls it out at the end. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, the, oh, in the uh, in the uh, email, I had asked. Paul, if for a million euros he could give up watching movies like and then name three three really good ones and the three stooges at the end. And nice. he's like, well, good first bit. off, fuck off. Good bit. Yeah. Good bit. Uh, second of all, <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> three stooges is fucking tremendous. I keep almost watching it because it is on TV. <laughs> like, it would just be a good bit just for the sake of the show, but I can't bring myself to do it just yet. <sighs> Shame. Episode 514, Doors Hate Us. What medical condition did, after (laughs) six-plus years of podcasting, one of the hosts state that they suffer from that the other hosts did not know? Uh, Ooh. Mm. I'll go uh, Barry chronic diarrhea. (laughs) Was that some chronic diarrhea just then? (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah sorry I'm just, just, I've kitted out this chair in my absence you know. um, uh, I'm trying to think I don't think I've revealed any uh, yeah, no. yeah. I maybe I'm, I have a proper guess no that um, is your guess you took your guess you had your guess what's your other guess tell us your other guess and we can take it well I don't know if you guys have um I, I'll say me, uh, asthma. I think I already knew that, so. Okay. That's for sure. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'll have to pass on that one. Um, okay. oh, God, I can't really think of anything. Yeah, I'll probably just pass as well. I can't, I can't even take a stab on the dark. Okay. Joe, you should have known this one because you told everybody that you were lactose intolerant which the other guys uh, didn't know yes. which is. also was funny because they're just intolerant <laughs> <laughs> it turns it turns out i'm not by the way i had a test so. <laughs> oh what really yeah i think milk just gives me like yeah 
bad stomach, but I'm not actually lactose intolerant. So okay, update update on that. One. Remember that one for update next year. Okay. But now I'm really shocked that you aren't lactose intolerant. <laughs> Can you confirm, by the way, Barry, you don't have diarrhea? Um, like right now, no. Okay, no points for me, so. No. Yeah. All right, episode 516, Autonomous Dogs. Who said all you need to pull it off is to get yourself some fags? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> that's, that's maybe the all-time worst out of context. <laughs> All you need. I'm trying to think what you'd be trying to pull off. Or I think I'm going to go for a Halloween costume. Yeah. So yeah, but again, this would have been April May time. Well, in advance. In yeah, advance. yeah, yeah. You're right. I uh, I'm going to guess Joe said that. Is it a who said it or a why? Uh, yeah, who said it? Who, who said, said it? it? You guys um, will never get the why just yet. So. I think me. I think me. Yeah. I'll say Joe. Okay. Barry? Who did you say? I said Joe. Okay. You guys are all wrong. Barry said it. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, Paul got a very Moxley haircut. I knew. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, it was a Moxley (laughs) thing. Yeah. Barry thought he needed a leather jacket and some fags to pull off the look. Yeah. Still an option. Well, I was saying I've got the hook hair today. (laughs) Send Paul. Episode 522, Dust is die Vanda, brother. <laughs> after, after watching the Friends reunion, who did Barry call an insufferable cunt and said, I can't stand you? <laughs> well, that's, an easy, that's the easiest question of the lot, surely, right? Uh, it's got to be Corden. It's got to be Corden. Corden, yeah. I was thinking, I was thinking uh, possibly the character of Ross, but I Corden, surely. Yeah. And it was indeed James Corden. <laughs> I heard he got COVID. That's terrible. Feel bad for him. Feel bad about that. Not happy at all about that. Episode 529. Please, Mr. Matrix is my father. Call me. (laughs) During a heat wave, what part of the body did Joe ask Paul? Did you have to lick that? You were saying about the worst taken out of context, though, yeah, Paul? You know, yeah. It can only go worse. Uh, <laughs> to lick that. I, ooh, I'll go nipple. <laughs> I'm going to go gooch. <laughs> no. Um, what would you lick in a heat wave? Your lips. I'll give you the quote. Did you have to lick your bollocks while in the doggy pool? <laughs> oh, of course, of course. Well, Barry was geographically closest. <laughs> That's true, man. Oh, yeah, the doggy pool. That was great. A little paddling pool. Episode 537, Nation of Sexification. <laughs> Who said he was thinking about doing a sexification month? Me. Uh, Got me, Paul. I, I, I think... Because Paul was talking about it. Oh, unless it's a trick. I, it's just oh, like a, okay. I, I, I think I may have humored the idea. I think I'll go myself there if it's because Paul was talking about it and I said I was thinking about it, which obviously I fucking didn't do. I'll, I'll stick with Paul. I'll, I'll go myself. I'll say Barry. It was indeed Paul. Yes. In that same episode, when it was asked, what, are you going to have sex every day? Who replied, why would that be anything new? <laughs> Paul. 
I'll go, um, I'll go me. Uh, no, I'll say me. I'll say me. I was indeed Paul. Yeah. You know, you know how it is. When you got the hook hair. You know. <laughs> Don't got to look body necessarily, though. That's the problem. <laughs> hook hair, Jabba the Hood body. Mm. Same episode. Who said, when doing the GTS, you can't hit the guy in the knob? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, you can, technically. I, I, think, I think Barry. I was going to say Joe, funnily enough. No, I'd, I'll say myself. It was indeed Paul. He meant Whoa. to say, you can't hit Hobbs in the nips. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was thinking because it, it was to do with when he does the CM Punk's got a terrible GTS, yeah. let's be honest. That he, he sometimes just hits him in like the chest, yeah. So I'm kind of glad every now and then he busts out the Anaconda device and they just, just do that. Just do yeah, that. yeah. Just do that. Okay, we've got three questions left and Ooh. we have a tie at the top Ooh. between Barry and Paul at seven do. each and Joe with three. Oh, I'm pretty bad at this. <laughs> Episode 539, Rise of the Long Walker. Who said, I was disappointed in the size of their wiener? <laughs> and what were they talking about? Um, <laughs> God, which of us would say wiener? Um, I reckon Barry. He was talking about the hot dog place that he went to. That sounds right to me. That sounds... That sounds like sound logic, Joe. I think I'll piggyback on that. Go on. I don't remember saying that, but also I can't imagine the other two saying wiener. So I will say myself also. Well, you all get one point then because it was actually Joe talking about five guys. Oh, Oh, yes. Yes, of course. Now he was disappointed in it. Yeah, he wasn't talking about the food, though, weirdly. Yeah. (laughs) This was in the toilets. (laughs) Episode 543, Burger Mole. During the discussion of an upcoming AEW pay-per-view, who said during the Inner Circle versus Men of the Year match that all of a sudden my bladder and rectum are full? (laughs) Uh, I didn't mind that much that much. I think it was probably Barry. I, I think really Paul. I think Paul. I hated it, but I think that's he such really a Paul for Yes, yeah, true. I really, really hated it. Yeah. Um, I'll say me as well. Go on. It was indeed Paul. Yeah. That match stank. <laughs> Wouldn't know. I don't get to watch EW. Well, you're, you're lucky in that case. <laughs> Episode 545, Shooey Thumbtack. Who said of another member of the show, you're a patronizing cunt? And who replied, well, when you're right, you're right. (laughs) Uh, It's got to be Paul, he said. When you're right, you're right. I think I said it to Paul, and then Paul said, when you're right, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Mm, Yeah, I, I... I know what it's in reference to. No, I'll say Joe said it to me, and I said, you're right, you're right. Well, you're 
all three incorrect. Paul wow. said it to Barry, and Barry ah. agreed. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was to do with uh, uh, an off-brand drama that occurred that we won't speak about. Uh, yeah. No, actually, it was in the Discord app uh, with you fighting with football keepers. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Football gatekeepers, not goalkeepers. Ah, gatekeepers. Sorry, yes, I gatekeepers. actually wrote down gatekeepers. I just looked down. Yeah. Well, apparently, you can't Paul, support a, a football team you. unless you're local. Have Go on. you seen the show right. Queens of the Universe? No. It's on, I believe it's called, It's. I think, I want to say it's Paramount Plus. It's described as Eurovision meets RuPaul. Oh, my God. And the I, well, videos I've seen of it are everything you would expect. <laughs> My pants just got a little bit tighter. <laughs> yes, RuPaul it's, it's, actually came is back this week. I just watched the first episode of it. Okay, I have an email for each of you, real quick. Okay, uh, Paul's, yours was. Let's do a mashup. Since this got me thinking about it, was. Which would you rather see? Would you rather see the Iron Chef judges judging RuPaul's Drag Race <laughs> or RuPaul's judges dra- uh, judging the food they're made? Uh, or would you rather I, see the chefs attempt to dress up in drag and the drags attempt to do cooking? No, I'd rather see... Like, I want to be watching drag queens, whatever they're doing. It's always okay, funny. So the drag queens with, the Iron, with the Iron Chef yeah. ju- uh, judges? No, RuPaul's judging, going, mm, that's a delicious oh, okay, uh, okay. innuendo-laden casserole. They, they, mm. they have a whole new suite of tools to make innuendos with. Yeah. Uh, like The Rock. They'd be like, a little strudel. What? Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that'd be more fun like than watching straight-laced people in drag. Where's the fun in that? Yeah. You want to see camp people camping it up, being all camp. That's where the fun is at. Okay. Joe, uh, back Mm. in November, you talked about watching Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah. And I got to thinking about some of the worst and worst done sequels I've ever seen. And the two that come to mind are The Boogeyman 2 and Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. (laughs) Because the first half of both of those movies is a recap of two characters talking about the events of the first movie intercut with scenes from the first movies. Are there any sequels you can think of that were that type of bad? Not necessarily that kind of nature. I think the one that one that springs to mind is American Psycho 2, which starred uh, Mila Kunis. Oh, it, it was it's a completely unrelated movie to the first like Patrick Bateman's kind of like a character within the universe but it's nothing to do with like him it's kind of set at a college and it's about someone who's obsessed with serial killers and it was yeah very 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 bad um other than that I can't think I mean there's of course Rocky Five, uh the famous one where it was I think someone worked out that it was like 40 percent reused footage or something ridiculous like that uh, that's probably the most disappointing one because even up to Rocky Four, I know the you know the Russian stuff was pretty bonkers, but that was still quite an entertaining movie. And then the fifth one, really, really kind of shut the bed. Okay, I'll throw Matrix Resurrections out there as well. 
I still haven't seen it. I still I'm working my way up to it. Okay. And Barry, do you think the dark side of the ring could branch out to companies other than the WWE? History of Ring or Ring of Honor, TNA's history of terrible decisions. Maybe the people behind the story lines that made you scratch your head the most. Kind of like how Aces and Eights managed to get their motorcycles to England for a show. <laughs> um, yeah, I I don't know if they've said if they're doing another season, but I kind of feel like they've done a lot of the big ones now, like the really scandalous ones. So I kind of wonder now, in the vein of the Brawl for All episodes now, is it going to be a little bit of, oh, here's this really terrible storyline that's maybe not resulted in actual deaths, but is like infamous for its terribleness. I, I, I could see that. I mean, they, they, there was a couple of episodes in that last season that were already stretching the, uh, um, uh, stretching a little bit to, to cover. Uh, yeah, I'd be up for that. I think they're, the shows are well made. So yeah, if they want to do a, a, an episode at, at the absolute peak of the dumbest decisions TNA have ever done with their completely serious recreations, dra- dramatizations of like the little the little fella in the trash can uh, wanking, um, why not? You know? Um, so we'll see. Time will tell. Okay. Thank you very much. So do you have Final a winner score. on the quiz? Uh, nope, that's it. You're done with the quiz. Final score is Joe 5, Terry and Paul tied at 9. Nice. Okay. I think, Respect. I mean, who's the real winner here, really? <laughs> Joe well, being too cool. Personally, too cool remember remembered the least, really. Mm. Le- l- yeah, less ego. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Scott. Well, congratulations, Paul, first of all. Shake hands. You know, well yeah, done. Well done that's virtual. Great. Great, great performance by both. Well done. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, thank you so much, Scott. As always, that was a, a, a hoot, as it always is. However, oh, however, oh. Scott, I have a little quiz for you this oh. time. Okay. Since you um, have been so kind to to provide us our quiz once a year. Do you do you a little a little uh, a little memory test of your own, and it's to do with CSP episode titles. Since you always read them out when you do it, so I've got a list. I've got a list of ten, ten episode titles here, and Barry and Joe, feel free to play along if you want. Yeah, you need to tell me: is it a real title or is it made up? All right, here we go. Okay, number one: Roman Reigns down in Africa. Is that a real episode title, or is it made up? That's made up. <laughs> made up. Made up. Everyone saying made up. I'll say. I'll right. say real. No, that is made up. There was okay. as 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 good as that song is. Africa by Toto. That is. That's not not a real. A real title. So one point for Scott and Joe. Uh, number two, Fart of the Furious. <laughs> is that a real title, or is it made up? Oh, I think that's made up as well. Oh, sorry. Scott's quiz. Speak up whenever you want, Joe. That's fine. I'll give you uh, some I'm going to say that was made up as well. I'll say me. Sorry. That is made up as well. Uh, that's probably the one I made up that I wish was the yeah. r- real the most. Or you've got you another use movie it the next time one of those movies. It's fine. It's, you know. <laughs> okay. Number three. Parts known. That's is that real. real or made up? That's a real one, says Scott. 
Yeah, I think that's real. Is it parts are known? Parts known. Parts known, that's real. Yeah. Yeah, that's number f- episode 403. So that's also correct. Number four, Biff Bombsick. <laughs> Is that real or made up? Uh, I'm going to say made up. Oh, I think that's real. I think it's real. It is real. That's episode 416. Biff Bumsick. And the artwork had him in a diaper. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He turns out he had chronic diarrhea. Um, Okay, on to the next one. Uh, Sticker it up your candy ass. Real or made up? I think that's real. Mm. All right, Joe. I think I'm I think gonna say made up. up. It's made up. It's oh. a fake one. We did talk about stickers a lot, but unfortunately, it did not make the title of yeah, an so episode. I still have my Prawn Michael sticker. Yeah, I don't have any fucking WWE. Tuck it down, the bastards. Um, Should have fought them like I did. Uh, I was too lazy to do it. <laughs> um, next up, Andre Defiant. <laughs> Real or made up? Uh oh. I don't remember that, so I'm going to say made up. Barry, Joe? I'm, I'm going to say real. real. Yeah, I think real. It's real. It's episode oh. 387, Andre, Def- Andre Defiant. I was trying to think. I think that must be a, when we went to one of those OTT shows called Defiant. I was like, that must be a thing. I don't know. Um, next up, Diamond in the Guff. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds real. I'm saying real as well. I think that's real. Joe? Uh, fake. No, Joe, it's real. Oh, Episode shit. 467. Oh, shit. Okay. Next up, Mr. Assassin's Creed. <laughs> I'm going to say fake. It's fake for sure. Uh, Joe? Fake. Yeah, for sure. It's a fakey. As much as we've talked about Assassin's Creed over the years. And Mr. S. Yeah, especially recently. Um, number nine, don't call Paul Walker Poochie. <laughs> Real or made up? Uh, made up. Oh, I'd say made up. Uh, I'll say real. It is real. It's episode 360. Jesus. <laughs> don't call Paul Walker Poochie. And then the final one, Edge and Piss Stain. Is it real or made up? <laughs> I think that's real. <clears throat> I think that's got to be fake. I think it's real. <laughs> Joe, you get the point on that one. It was ah, fake. I would never besmirch Christian. <laughs> <laughs> I think we had Edge and Christening was the closest we came to that right. one. But not Edge and Pistain, as good as a, a pun that is. And uh, there's no score because I forgot to keep score during the quiz. But Scott, Excellent. you are a winner anyway. Excellent. Scott won. We'll say Scott won that one. <laughs> um, that was great. Well done, Paul. Thank you for your contributions to this segment. And thank you, as always, to Scott the Boy McAvoy, not only for his quiz, but for being the uh, CSPOG, uh, our, our, our numero uno emailer, quiz master, and, and all that other stuff. Thank you so much for joining us, Scott. And happy new year as well on this first CSP of the year. Happy New Year to you, lads, too. I just went back and looked. My first quiz for you guys started at episode 150. Jeez. Yeah. So. <laughs> God wow. damn. 
Amazing. And I'll remind everyone, maybe there's a, someone who's not been listening that long, is we do have on the on the back catalogue on the RSS feed, not that long ago, around the time of episode 450, I want to say, uh, I, put, I put out a compendium of all Scott's quizzes going back oh, yes. to episode yeah. 150. You can hear them all. Uh, yeah, so check that out. Not the, not the two he's done since then, but no. well, just to make it easier to on, guys. hear them all. Thank you so much, Appreciate Scott. It. Thank you, Scott. Cheers. I will talk to you guys later. See you in a year. See you in a year. <laughs> See you in a year. Bye bye. Uh, anyway, we'll jump in here to the um, uh, wrestling awards. Uh, so we will start here. Um, I'm looking at my uh, uh, my layout here. I'm going to start at the bottom of my layout. We'll, we'll culminate in the total package award which is our uh, name for, of course, the great Lex Luger, which is our overall Wrestler of the Year award. But we're not going to get there just yet. So I think we're going to kick off here, lads, with Gimmick of the Year. Okay? And I'm going to throw to Joe. Okay, Gimmick of the Year. Um, Honourable mentions to uh, Eddie Kingston Mm. for, for basically doing Eddie Kingston. That's his gimmick, mm-hmm. and he's great at it. Um, honorable mention to Sting, who mm-hmm. is the best old man wrestler of all <laughs> yeah. time. The man is he was he 61, 62? Yeah. Yeah, he comes out, he's so fucking over. He gets put through a table, he jumps back up, he beats the shit out of someone, he looks good, he jumps off fucking t- turnbuckles and aprons. He's just, yeah, he's fantastic, and it really, really works. Uh, honorable mention to um, what will doubtlessly be one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, Hook, um, who was finally <laughs> finally sent after after many many months of kind of establishing him. He was he was sent, and uh, I think his gimmick is has worked. He's that kind of you know enigmatic, kind of young, doesn't give a fuck, just wants to beat people up. It's it's over, and you can see when yeah. when his match was announced on Dynamite, the Rampage match was announced on Dynamite. It got one of the biggest pops of the night. Everyone was like, "Oh, he's wrestling on Rampage!" It worked, and um, yeah, you can see the crowd really responding to it. So that that works. But I'm going to give my gimmick of the year award to. Uh, a man that you know we've, I think we've really liked on on the podcast since the beginning, um, but who kind of reinvented himself this year uh, in a new new territory, new manner, and that is Matt Cardona, the ah, former Zack Ryder, wow. who has done this kind of King of the Death match thing in GCW, has gone around to various organizations and, and kind of played off his, um, you know, Long Island IC yeah. character and done it fantastically to the point where I watched, you know, I watched that GCW show. Um, I laughed at the the foam pizza cutter that someone in the crowd had <laughs> the, the heat was off the charts and he just, he's been doing it fantastically all year long. So kudos to, to Matt Cardona. Wow, that's a that's a tremendous pick, I must say. It's fantastic. No, great stuff. Uh, that that might be the Hong Kong pick of the year. Hong Kong. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, we've seen it for the first time. <laughs> uh, go on, Paul. What's what's your pick for the gimmick um, of the year? Yeah, I, a lot of my my honorable mentions mirror Joe's. I'll say. Um, I I've honorable mentioned for Brian Danielson since he's tur- turned heel as well. Yes, yeah. But my gimmick of the year is one that Joe didn't mention, and I'm surprised. Maybe he just forgot about it because you know, out of sight, out of mind. But 
there was there was a man we gave a flop of the year a few years ago and by god if he's not turned it around uh gimmick of the year for me is the redeemer ah hero excellent choice you're right Every, every time he's on tv Oh my god! If it's it's a if it's a promo, it's like all right, shush, Miro's on. <laughs> so yeah. Stop talking, Miro's on the TV. Um, god, why have you forsaken me, God? Ah. Tremendous! He was so shit when he debuted in AW. The worst gimmick: bleach blonde hair, Ugh, and the man or the par- best man. Best man fuck yeah. that shite was! And they 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 found a a gimmick for him that he absolutely nailed. I think Hook is a great call as well. The Hook is to me, you know, we, we talk about that wrestling is like wrestling was so big in the nineties because it was very of its time, mm. and the characters were very of the time. Jerry Springer, Jackass, the characters kind of yeah. fit the time, and they've kind of struggled to find the character that's relevant to the time that wrestling exists in. I, f- I feel like Hook is the closest. I know it's very premature, mm. but I feel like Hook is the closest to like a modern gimmick that's got over in in twenty years. Like, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I'll echo all of your picks and your honorable mentions as well. Kingston and Sting and Miro, all great shouts. Uh, I, I, I'll give a shout to 2.0. Give them a little taste oh, yeah. of an honorable mention. You know, <laughs> um, Taz himself, Ricky Starks. Taz. Um, uh, fantastic. You know, uh, I'm really loving Serena Deeb as the professor. I think that's tremendous. Uh, but he has been mentioned. But it's Hook. It's got to be hooked. <laughs> he comes out, he chews gum, he's got his mom tattoo and his hairy chest and his chain, and he does holes. Ah, oh, it's so good. And I just loved, like, for before he even wrestled for the first half of the year, he would just come out in his hoodie looking like a miserable little teen, and then he'd do a sick judo throw on the floor. It was so <laughs> stupid, but in the best way. Um, yeah, no, the hookster is uh, is is my uh, uh, gimmick of the year. Some great picks there. Uh, 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 some good gimmicks. Yeah, three different gimmicks. I, I was fully expecting that these awards were going to be very samey, uh, samey, but uh, maybe not. As it turns out, I think I think I think for some of these categories, we'll we'll have similar picks, but we will um, uh, we will jump here into flop of the year, which, as the name implies could be any definition of flop maybe we thought it would be great and it failed maybe we knew it would fail and it failed whatever definition you know very loose uh for me honorable mention here maybe a little bit spicy honorable mention Britt baker oh i have it's fair i haven't I been in love with, with the Britt baker run i really haven't i think the the wishy-washy face heel stuff isn't working i think it undermines the whole division and i'm kind of i'm kind of at the point now where i'm like all right let's Let's move on. Let's get the belt on someone else. I assume Thunder Rosa is next, and I hope so. Um, so, yeah, that's my honorable mention. Uh, my flop um, is probably an obvious one, but I'll, I'll, I'll go with it anyway. Uh, I mean, it's The Fiend. Um, uh, and, and, and by picking The Fiend, I don't just mean, hey, I think The Fiend is shit, which I think we've all said and gotten that out of our system multiple times. Mm. But for The Fiend to be this big thing that they invested so much time in, and they like had him lose to Randy Orton, and then he was out the door. Um, I don't think, given how much effort they put into the Fiend, I don't think there's a better example of a flop, like an outward flop of something they really tried to make successful than than the Fiend uh, in the in the last year, maybe even the last couple of years. I would say um, we will pass over there to Paul. 
was hoping you're going to go to Joe so that I could <laughs> piggyback on what he said. Because um, to me, there's two, and I would really struggle to, to pick one over the other. Um, well, honorable mention I'll give, first of all, to uh, all members of the inner circle. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. At one time, the hottest act in the, in the company. Uh, particularly Chris Jericho, who I don't know why he's still doing there. Um, I will give, okay, I'll give honorable mention to the pinnacle, which at one point yeah. seemed like it was going to be the big new thing. It just never hit the floor. Um, partly because of a lot of people that are in there are not good, but it just seems like, you know, they're, they're the pinnacle, but they rarely are, are shown as a group anyway. Um, and just, yeah, just they never, never, never felt important. But flop of the year for me is, um, is a member of the inner circle. And that is TNT champion Sammy Guevara. Yeah, that's very fair. Um, kind of, kind of killed the TNT title single-handedly after he beat Mira for. <laughs> wow. I don't really care. Don't really care about that title anymore. They used to be the title used to fucking mean something when Cody had it and uh, Brody, Cody again, Miro, especially Miro, uh, and then Sammy, and then it just faded into obscurity while he was the champion. Um, so that's it. He's the flop for me, I guess. It was going to be him or the pinnacle, but I think uh, he's annoyed me more than they have. So <laughs> screw him. Uh, a few dishonorable mentions for me. Uh, I agree. Sammy Guevara, really bad title run. Wasn't interested in that. Um, speaking of bad title runs, uh, Lucha Brothers as tag team champions. Got to agree. Fantastic. The match where they won it, absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Since then, you know, they had the feud with. FTR, which wasn't bad, but outside of that, uh, nothing for me. Um, yeah. Ended in unfortunate, you know, injury as well. Um, <laughs> late, late entry for flop of the year. Actually, no, this doesn't count. This was this year, but Battle of the Belts. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that next week. But uh, yeah, I thought that was going to be like a big super card, and it it was like a glorified rampage. I don't really get that, but anyway. Um, very early in the year last year, um, barbed wire death match pyrotechnics. Uh, um, yes. It's been so long ago, we've probably forgotten it. But of course, yeah, the farty, farty pyro that, that came at the end of a, an otherwise kind of enjoyable Kenny Omega, John Moxley match that was just rightfully mocked by, by everyone, uh, even WWE. I mean, if WWE scoring points on you, then <laughs> yeah, yeah. what sort of state are you in? Um, but I'm going to give it to a match that everyone's probably forgot even happened last year. Um, wait a minute, was that this year? It was the last year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to check that it was last year. Was it 2021? Uh, otherwise, I'm gonna have to change my pick. Um, fuck, was it last year? Or was it 2020? Uh, yeah, no, it was 2021. Wow. Okay. Um, it was AEW Blood and Guts, the uh, uh, first ever yeah. War Games match, which, um, of course, my favourite gimmick match, and um, yeah, it just didn't really work. Kind of combined the inner circle and the pinnacle that we spoke about as flop. It was two flops in a great gimmick, but the match just <laughs> just didn't work for me. Hopefully they do it again and they, they do it right next time. But uh, yeah, my flop of the year. Uh, blood and guts. Alrighty. Uh, on the flip side of the flop, we're going to talk positively about the moment of the year. The moment yeah. of the year. A year full of moments. 
many yeah. well i i didn't even write bother to write down an honorable mention for this one yeah i this is the one where i was like all right we'll probably have a bit of you there's one there's one 10 levels above anything else I'll, that happened this year i'll go back to joe for his he can break the seal on this one um this in a way this was the most competitive one for me even though the winner was there was a standout obvious winner but there were just so many great moments um as we talked about the long-awaited debut of hook um, which I watched at three o'clock in the morning after the Christmas party. <laughs> Got home just in time for Rampage and I was like, <laughs> I'm staying up, I'm watching it. And it was everything I wanted and more. It was fantastic. Uh, that was great. Um, Hangman Page winning the title finally after you know, two years of chasing it. That was a great moment. Um, NXT waving the white flag in the Wednesday night war, <laughs> uh, running with a towel between their legs to um, whatever night they're on now. What is it, Tuesday probably? Tuesday. Yeah. Tuesday, that was a hell of a moment um, after all the bravado of, of you know, the start. Um, the double debut of Brian Danielson and Adam Cole at All Out, um, that was a tremendous moment and a real kind of... Um, you know, real pulling out all the stops by Tony Khan to kind of debut both those men in the space of a couple of minutes. Um, but there can only be one moment of the year. And it is the one we all stayed up to watch. It was the long-awaited return of Mr. CM Punk in Chicago. Didn't fail to, de- didn't fail to um, deliver. It was an absolutely fantastic moment. Uh, exactly what we all wanted. All what, everything we'd hoped for the last kind of seven years and uh yeah, watch that video many, many times. Still watch it now. It's uh, yeah, it still gives still gives you chills. Yeah, uh, like I say, I d- I didn't even write down any honorable mentions. That's not because the year wasn't good, but like as I said earlier, the way I'm doing is writing down like three or four, and then on the you know mm-hmm. instinctually saying, well, that's the one. CM Punk's debut, like nothing came close. It was uh, it was surreal watching it. Um, yeah, we we all stayed up. We had a little fight TVs on the go. Uh, yeah, I can't. I it, we, I can't even do a fake out. Pretend I pick something else. It is, of course, CM Punk's return. Um, and yeah, I think you guys have summed it up quite well. And we talked about it at the time. I mean, what what more can you say? Yeah. It was it was about as perfect as it gets. <laughs> That, that was a that was a genuine. We'll always remember this thing. Yeah, and that's what I said at the time. I was like, you know, as as jaded and as cynical as we can be as wrestling fans, like don't don't forget how you felt watching that the first time. Don't forget how excited you were. You yeah. know, wrestling can still do that to you. You know, uh, coming up next, back on the negative side of things, <laughs> we've got the worst wrestling thing of the year again very kind of open to whatever you you would construe that to be um yeah. i'll go first here uh for me the worst wrestling thing of this year it was wwe <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fairly fairly easily yeah i'll I'll echo that i don't have much to elaborate on like anytime there was i watched wrestlemania i liked the main event i actually liked most of wrestlemania i thought it was actually a pretty good pair of shows it's like you try and get back into it and then you're immediately put off and just turned off like all the cross stuff especially like now that we have uh like competition that is far from perfect obviously i don't think this was a great week for AEW this week we're recording on but like when you see stuff like, you know, they're beating Killer Cross like a drum and also then trying to tell you at the same time, but talking out of both sides about like, but no, but he's no, but we're going to do something big with him. And then he's gone. And it's just like, I can't get into this. I cannot invest time in this. It just it, it just feels like it's it's a labor. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So, yeah, 
that's that's that was my pick, just the WWE in general. Uh, I went with WWE releases. Um, it's kind of an obvious. There weren't too many things that, uh, this year just to kind of pick out from, but yeah, just the the constant releases of really talented people, which are completely unnecessary. They don't need to make budget cuts. It's a choice, and it's a choice which they're obviously entitled to make. They're a business. They don't owe anyone a living. Um, but just kind of bizarre choices and, and at very kind of bad times as well, you know, during the, the lockdown and pandemic of the early 2021. So, yeah, WWE constant releases. Yeah. Um, well, I, I have um, some honorable mentions. Uh, I have Phoenix's arm going inside out. Um, Fight TV should have put a little warning on that. Yeah, uh, I thought that was kind of odd. Yeah, if you don't want to see a lad's arm <laughs> bend completely the wrong way, look away at this timestamp. Um, I have Billy Gunn on the list, mm. um, particularly that Derby Allen match, uh, and the, the backstage interviews they keep doing on AW where someone interrupts before they've yes. even answered the question. Yeah, um, but we're, yeah, worst wrestling thing of the year, WWE firing like a zillion people. Um, it's like they're on the wrong side of the line of where, you know, wrestling as an artistic endeavor meets the business side of things. And I, I think to an extent that those things are mutually exclusive. I, I, I think, you know, the mindset of, Oh, killer cross is on X amount of money or Keith Lee is on X amount of money. Um, but we can have uh, Riddick Moss, do the same for less mm. like i you know once you get into that mindset i think that's that's very harmful to what is you know for all intents and purposes uh an artistic expression as even as a tv show outside of the the specifically the realm of wrestling you know you, you don't you don't think well we have willem dafoe but he's asking for this amount of money let's get in aaron taylor johnson instead mm. for half the price it's like well you know, if if you're if you're purely about making money and don't and don't care about the product itself, you know that's one thing. But that's not a that's not a mindset that I can really align myself with as far as a viewer. You know, uh, aside from the moral aspect of moving people across the country and then just fucking firing them and like, well, sorry, you know, that's that's really like the arrogance of it. And I understand, you know, in business there there is a lot of that, but I just can't morally accept that you know their mindset of you know well it, and it's kind of like the CM Punk you're in the main event thing it's like well you're working for WWE like it's a favor to WWE for you to work for them right and then they just fire you on a whim even though you've moved across the country to live in Orlando or Connecticut or whatever it's like well fuck you you're on your own now like well again I think we've said this but why would you fucking work for them in this day and age they're a crazy company to work for yeah I don't understand. Anyway, um, WWE across the board, the <laughs> worst yeah. thing of the year. They they cleaned up. Well done, lads. Um, <laughs> uh, let me see here. That was the worst thing. Up next, we have match. A couple of interesting contenders for this one here. I'll go to Paul first. Okay. Um, now, unfortunately, my memory for matches is not what it once was. So mine, mine are just all the biggies, all the big ones. Uh, I really enjoyed the Young Bucks Lucha Bros cage match, which I think mm-hmm. Joe mentioned. Uh, Danielson versus Hangman Page One 
which I enjoyed a lot more than two, I must say. I found, uh, without getting too much into review, which we'll obviously hold for next week, I found I found the ending of two a little bit anticlimactic. Um, but I'm going to give my award to the, the quickest 30 minutes I ever sat and watched. Uh, Danielson Omega. Interesting. Okay. Uh, I will give honorable mentions to Suzuki versus Danielson. Uh, uh, Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa. To be fair to Britt Baker, the lights out match was 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 really fantastic. Um, uh, CM Punk versus Eddie Kingston. Uh, just uh, as fun a match of that style could possibly be. Um, but I will have to echo the Omega versus Danielson pick. It is my pick also uh, from the Arthur Ashe. So um, that one. Is my match of the year? Yeah, but you, I forgot that I forgot Thunder Rosa Britt Baker was this year. That seems like so long ago. So long ago, and it was still in Daly's place as well. Um, speaking of that match, actually, I do also want to shout out that that Rampage Three fight was so good. The the Penelope oh yeah, the women the bunny. Oh, it was great. The bunny never misses. The bunny does not miss. <laughs> time to, to be honest, uh, but anyway, uh, Joe, your match of the year. Uh, honorable mentions to Lucha Brothers versus Young Bucks, uh, the cage match, um, CM Punk versus Eddie Kingston, which I thought was a great feud. And we don't do feud of the year anymore, but that would be feud of the year by mm. a long way. CM Punk, Eddie Kingston, even though it was about five segments worth of, uh, of content. Um, Adam Page versus Brian Cage from Double or Nothing. Uh, ah, the forgotten one, but I love yeah. that match. Really great. Yeah, really, great. really good. Both, both kind of really brought it. Um, Best Friends versus uh, Rusev and Remember Me, Kip Sabian uh, <laughs> from, from Dynamite. This was like the arcade uh, yeah, video yeah, game yeah. kind of street fight, which I thought was a lot of fun and kind of played off the Thunder Rosa Britt Baker match and then had Sue and Trent coming out of the air. I, something about that match just really struck a chord to me. thought it was really good. Uh, Kenta and Omega versus John Moxley and Lance Archer in a kind of Attitude Era style of street fight where they ended up in a kitchen. Oh, uh, yeah. my right at the start of the year. That was fantastic. Um, but then my top three, uh, Brian Danielson versus Hangman Page 1, um, which was epic. Obviously didn't have a finish, so I won't go the full five stars on it. Um, second, Kenny Omega versus Brian Danielson, Grand Slam which was, again, didn't have a finish, but it was a fantastic, fantastic match. My number one, Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker, lights out match. Mm, um, absolutely love that match. Watched it several times. Yeah. Um, just uh, not just the blood. Um, it, it was just the story of the match and the intensity and everything about it. I thought it was absolutely fantastic uh, match of the year for me. Excellent stuff. Some great picks and some great honorable mentions there as well. A good year, a good, a good year for matches, to be fair. Uh, oh, one other honorable mention I do for want to AEW matches. We didn't mention it. Yeah, I, I, I did have one <laughs> WWE honorable mention. I, I, I was going to say Sasha versus right. Bianca from WrestleMania. I did think was absolutely that's, excellent, that's and good. I thought it was top tier in 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 WrestleMania main events. I would say as well. Uh, anyway, uh, we will move on there to overall show of the year, wrestling show of the year, wrestling card of the year, if you want to call it that. And we will start this time with Joe. Uh, two for me. So honorable mention for All Out, the um, mm. show where, where Cole and Danielson debuted, which had a lot of great wrestling on it. Punk's first match back. 
against Darby Allen. Um, of course, he did have very long tights on, which ruined it a little bit, but it's uh, <laughs> so good. Um, that was great. But I, I kind of went in the end just on, maybe this was a bit of a, almost a nostalgia pick, but Double or Nothing, which was the first pay-per-view with the fans kind of fully back in attendance. Yeah. This was the one that was, uh, of course, I'm a sucker for the, um, you know, outdoor as the sun setting uh, kind of pay-per-view as it kind of gradually turns into night. But it had a lot of good matches on it. It had Kingston and Moxley against against the Bucks. It had Anthony Agogo's debut. Um, we all remember that one. Jungle Boy winning, <laughs> the, um, winning the Battle Royale. It had the inner circle in the main event in like the showdown match, which wasn't brilliant, but it, it it had a great moment in the end with the baby faces winning. So it was kind of perfect, perfect kind of kickoff of the, the new era that we're in. So double or nothing for me. Was Pack Pack uh, Orange Cassidy Omega on that as well? Was it? that one as well? Yeah. Oh, over delivered that match. I thought. That was good. Very good. Um, all out for me. I'd have to echo all Fair. out as well. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. I'd have to go there for that. Um, you just talk about all the stuff on it. I mean, it's just it's so crammed full of stuff. It, it is almost it is almost a steak for dinner every night type of <laughs> show with how loaded it was. Um, yeah, so. yeah. And then they brought out Cole as a surprise, and you're like, "Oh, I thought we were getting dancing. We got Adam Cole. He's here. What a surprise!" And then they fucking dancing as well. Fuck it. <laughs> ah, brilliant. There was a little a little element of CM Punk debut to it. it obviously, wasn't as as crazy, but just the the feeling of, you know, that they can still get these surprises and still excite you, you know? Yeah. And of course the show was great. The show had been great up to that point. <laughs> yeah. And that happened. Um I, I think double or nothing I would have as as Diara mentioned. I, I didn't like the stadium stampede at all though as the main event. I think I think uh, that yeah. would dock some points for me. Yeah. Um but like I said, I thought the the world title I had no interest in that match going in. Mm. I thought that really over delivered. I thought that was really good. But uh, I would go all out just as a total package. No, no pun intended. Uh, up next, we had the Stupid Idiot Award, which is exactly what it sounds like uh, for questionable decision making in wrestling. Um, yeah. I will throw to Joe first. I kind of want to add Chris Jericho to the honorable mention. Uh, yeah, the award yeah. that's named after you know his catchphrase, but just mainly for his commentary on Rampage. Like, do you really need to scream every fucking word you come out with? Um, yeah, but yeah, he won't be winning it. But just a shout out to him. Um, stupid idiot, of course, Vince McMahon. Because every year, you know, I'll put Vince McMahon in, and every year he makes more money. So yeah. I'll keep giving him the award. He'll keep making more money. He's happy. We'll all, we'll all be happy. It'll be good. Um. Booker T, because he always seems to say incredibly stupid things on his podcast and that pops up on my Twitter feed. And yeah. shout out to, to the Booker man. Um, but I'm going to give the Stupid Idiot Award to someone who's also probably would have, if we had the categories, would clean up a lot of um, other awards. That's Mr. Tony Khan. Um, for ah. starting off... Actually, does this count? Because when were those tweets made this year? In his time zone, they were still 31st of December. Oh, because it was on New Year's Eve, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. It In at the last. Yeah, what a way to start off a kind of new, promising new year for the company by just doing completely unnecessary tweets that draw attention to yeah. the fact that you've you know released someone and that you don't have a tremendous amount of 
you know, African-American or black talent at the top mm. of the card. It is very white. Uh, more diverse than kind of in the women's division, um, certainly not in the men's. And that is a fair criticism. But there's absolutely no need to draw attention to it with a stupid tweet. You've just kind of put yourself in an awkward position for absolutely no reason. Yeah. And it was just kind of petty and mean. And he does that have that in him, Carney. He's a bit of a brat at times when he's yes. when he's criticised, you know, he'll, he'll come back and really like... You see it on the football side a little bit as well. Oh, absolutely. You know. He's Doesn't got a history like of it challenged. with Fulham. Yeah, yeah. And it comes out occasionally as even though he can be, you know, very kind of sympathetic and a nice guy a lot of times, he does have that in him. But um, yeah, Tony, take this as a little warning, little red flag, stupid idiot of the award, stupid idiot of the year award. It's Mr. Tony Carr. Let's, let's buck things up in 2022. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And it's funny because it's kind of like it is two sides of the same coin that is a testament to why AEW exists in a good way and all the good things about it, which is that, you know, he is a, he was, despite being richer than all of us, he was among us as the uh, uh, mm. fucking EWR playing message board posting internet loser wrestling fan nerd. But he <laughs> has, along with all his knowledge of wrestling, he's brought along his, his pettiness and his inability to not post and tweet and inability to let anything go. He mm. does have that, quality of um when you're posting on a message board and you log on in the afternoon and you open a thread and there he is he's quoted six people to go back to each of them with a line by line defense of how they're all wrong and he's actually correct i mean the scott hansen playbook <laughs> yeah uh we you know yeah he's very much that um so so yeah um, I'm a little bit torn on this award. I'm gonna, I'm gonna Paul go here. I'm not quite sure who to go for here. My last one. Okay. Well, I have Tony Khan on my as well. On my honorable honorable mentions. Honorable mentions. Okay. Um, just like completely petty and completely like coming off as super insecure. Um, regardless of the of the actual complaints of of you know diversity and so on. If if you fired anyone and then came out, well, well actually, I fired you because you're you know a bad wrestler in that. Like, so tactless, yeah. Exactly. Um Vince McMahon, for mm. obvious reasons. Always, yeah. Um but stupid idiot of the year for me. And I know, to be fair, he's had he's had his health issues. I understand that, but stupid idiot of the year, it's the wrestling cook, Triple H. <laughs> they 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 bent his beloved NXT over and put a, a nice new dress on her and now she's going off with Nick Khan. <laughs> um yeah. I mean Triple H he, all his all his mates got fired, all his wrestlers got fired. They changed the color scheme of his thing. He can't have motorhead out of it anymore. Um That's why I was it's, it's, I was I wasn't certain about I I had Triple H written down here, but I wasn't sure if I wanted to commit to it. It's it's kinda you know, this it's weird because it's it's more of a passive stupid idiot of the year, but it, passive insofar as he kind of uh you know, people was the story earlier in the year where people had like come to the performance center to have a look and yeah. Then it's 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 it seems like he he just like turned around Ooh, and like oh all your favorites are gone Ooh, all your friends are gone Ooh. so I, I don't is, know yeah. I, I'm sure I actually forgot about that element of it. it was early in the year there was a, supposedly a Nick Khan <laughs> Vince McMahon visit to the performance center um, yeah and it, yeah you know I mean it, I, I don't know if he qualifies as stupid idiot but I I'm still tempted to just give it to him because it is just. <laughs> The guy who just lost consistently as this year rolled on, 
and and uh, obviously a lot of people point to the AEW loss. Like just Vince one hundred percent trusted him to just dance AEW out the door and just fucking put him in the dirt because they're these little startup freaks and we're WWE and they're not going to last. And they like the ownage of a lifetime they got. But also, like the one thing that's funny is that when when talented people who were NXT projects go to the main roster and get buried, we look at it as, oh my God, Vince is so senile and stupid, doesn't get it. But in Vince's head, he's thinking, what's this fucking guy sending me? Who are these fucking little people yeah. who are rubbish? Um, um, <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's like, he, it wasn't just the AEW loss. It was just, I'm going to make the developmental program I would like, despite the fact that the person I'm developing for doesn't like this stuff quite obviously um so i'll have to echo triple h on that as well um you know get well soon and all that yeah, yeah i mean it, it, it's it's usually stupid idiot is a very antagonistic award where like we we don't like the person who's been a stupid idiot but like you know you, you feel sorry for him but he's he's i don't know how, how much he like fought back against it or any of the the kind of behind the scenes machinations of it but he's he's come off looking like he he he's he's come off butt naked holding his dick in the rain, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how he is now. So that is um that's the stupid idiot of the year award, and then <laughs> that brings us to the uh, total package award, the total package award named for the great Lex Luger, of course, which yeah. is our overall wrestler of the year by whatever metrics you'd care to mention, best character, talker, wrestler, draw, or mm. a combination of all of them. You know what I mean? Everything that makes a wrestler great. Who's our reigning total package? Do you know, Joe? You're the stat man. Um, it was Brody Lee. One of them last year. Ah, Brody, Brody Lee, Lee, correct. Of course. Yeah. Uh, so past winners include, I think, Randy Orton, Daniel Bryan, Kevin Owens, Kevin Owens, Daniel Bryan, multiple times, yeah. Daniel Bryan, multiple CM times. Punk. Yeah. Uh, and to kick off this year award, Cody he can, have, he, he, he <laughs> can have one more because uh, from myself, uh, it's got to be Brian Danielson, doesn't it? I mean, it just it has to be because you'd forget when talking about all the great AEW stuff, you'd also forget that he main evented WrestleMania this year, um, <laughs> saved yeah, that right. program that was that was uh, flailing in the wind. Dying on its arse, had great matches with Roman. I think he had some AJ matches this calendar year as well. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's Brian Danielson, of course. It is. What about you, Paul? Ooh, I tell you, it was close for me though. It is, it is Danielson, but it was close. I, I think Miro ran him close this year. Right. I think Miro because because when you consider total package, yeah, you're talking you're talking everything. You're talking promos. You're mm. talking match quality. The 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 prestige he gave to that title throughout the year. I would nearly very close go Miro. Uh, yeah. Eddie Kingston. Yeah. Eddie Kingston's had a great year as well, honorable mention. But um but Danielson. You got you gotta go Danielson in the end, I guess. Mm. Danielson for me for the reasons mentioned previously. Um what about you, uh, Joe? Like on honorable mentions to Eddie Kingston as well, who just great, great on the mic, you know, great character, delivers good matches, which is, you know, what we're, the three kind of elements we're looking for does, does well on all of those. Adam Page, who, you know, mm. made it to the top of the company this year, has had lots of good matches, um, of course, with mainly with Kenny Omega and Dan, you know, Brian Danielson, which is maybe not that hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could probably have good matches with them as well. But no, I think Page definitely deserves it. He's, he's really good. 
really kind of fits the role he's in. Uh, Young Bucks, again, I know that not everyone likes the heel shtick, but I just think this almost underrated, you know, in terms of what they do in the ring and everything. And I think Barry tweeted this at some point last year about how all these, all these different teams have their best match with the Young Bucks. And it's like almost like, hmm, what's the common denominator here? Yeah. Could it be that the Young Bucks are the greatest of all time? Kind of Ric Flair level tag, you know, tag team. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's right. I'm going to give my runner-up um, total package to Brian Danielson. Oh, um, shit. For all the reasons you, you know, you guys just outlined, I won't go into more, but yeah, he's had, he did, he did a great baby face when he debuted. He's been a great heel. He's obviously a fantastic wrestler, good promo, good character, can do it all. But I'm going to give the winner to the man who won the, actually won the 2012 Total Package Award. Um, so 10 years on, I'm going to give it. Randy Orton. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to give it to CM Punk. Ah, yes. Because okay. I, you know, promos, obviously at the, pro- the moment of the year. You see, he delivers lots of great promos. Some go on a bit, some aren't great, but he does a lot of good promos, a lot of good feuds. All of his matches have been really, really good and have delivered. You know, he doesn't wrestle that many, but the ones he has have been fantastic, including, you know, the six-man with Sting and Derby recently. They've all been fantastic. And, you know, just the the character, the the way he's kind of come into the company and and sort of, you know, updated himself and and he does things slightly different. The feud with... um, uh, Eddie Kingston has been fantastic. You know, not all been winners, but he's just done so much that I think he he's, he deserves it. Um, so I will go with CM Punk as my total package of the year. However, very fair, very fair. You need to pick an overall winner. Yeah, and I think it's clear <laughs> that it's Brian Danielson. Yeah, I mean, you have him as your number two. I had him as if very we, close, very close one or two. So I think if we were to do like a top five point system, I think Dyson would, would come out with the most points. Most likely, mm-hmm. most likely. Um, I think MJF has had a very good year as well. Yes, this, he 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 needs to have a few more matches to be considered for uh, for top of the year. But yeah. I think he's he's, he's up there, there as well. He's getting there. Um. Yeah, and despite the fact that Daniel has Daniel <laughs> Danielson My has really, Daniel, yeah. um, I really only had visibility on him for the second half of the year, but he's kind of come in and, and over delivered to an extent what I expected of him. Mm. Um, you know, when, when you're bringing in Danielson, who's who was a little bit burned out from his WWE run, uh, from his own comments, especially about the main event of WrestleMania, I didn't I didn't think they're going to bring him in. Uh, to do to do one hour draws and thirty minute draws and double juice title fights with with you know Hangman and, and even like the Evil Uno match I thought was great as well for for what it was supposed to be it's just like a squash match essentially um and I really really like his his kind of insincere heel shtick he still comes out the baby face entrance. <laughs> um, he's just like like the insincere baby face is is kind of a, a a staple that that always works when when done right. And I think this year, I still don't know what the fuck Cody Rhodes is trying to do, but he he almost comes off as the bad version of of that in that he's like the, he's ostensibly a heel, but he acts like a baby face, and yeah. Danielson is is the uh. The baby face wax like a heel, <laughs> you know. Um, 
I, yeah, I love the little detail, the little details to what he does, the jumping jacks, his new thing. Um, loved, loved in the, uh, the match this week where he was doing the jumping jacks in front of the judges, like it was impressing them. Um, yeah. CM Punk, I, I've, I've also enjoyed his matches a lot, but I, I think maybe with the exception of the Derby match, I, I, I really want to see a, a blow away CM Punk match. I really want him to come back and have that, like, not even five star, but like that really, really good singles Just match. That, yeah, that goes. yeah, I know, I know the type you mean. Yeah, late teens, early twenty minutes, that mm-hmm. kind of like mm-hmm. maybe with Danielson, maybe with um, Derby again, or or Hangman, or or NJF ultimately might be the one. But um, yeah, I mean, Punk has been having good matches with kind of low pro- low profiles of them, like you know, uh, Garcia and uh, Powerhouse Hobbs. But like you know, you want to see the fucking top bill CM Punk match. You want to see him a big old, big old pay per view uh, match with some some meaty opposition. Yeah. Um. And that being said, like he had his moment of the year, but I I also thoroughly enjoyed his twenty minute promo battle with MJF. Um. And even the kind of the worst of it when he ran out this week and interrupted the match, which was completely stupid. I still thought their promo between them was really good. Um, so he can even kind of make the best of worse of the worst situations. But yeah, all the honorable mentions as well. Shout, shout outs to them. I think Miro has had a great year. Eddie Kingston's had a great year. Um, hopefully, Eddie Kingston can even get higher up the card than he is because he's just a treat, a jewel. But there we go, Danielson, uh, for the first time in, in a couple of years. Couple of years the yeah. rest of the year again. The total package of the year. And with that, we will draw the 2021 awards for CSP to a close. Thank you so much to everyone for listening. Big mammoth edition of the show here to kick off. <laughs> I think it's the longest episode we've ever done. Possibly, yeah. If and we caught, we caught the reviews of all the wrestling as well. <laughs> Um, uh, because there just won't enough time baby. Uh, thank you as always for listening thank you Scott for popping by with the quiz as always um, so we will uh, be back next week we'll get to the emails as well, there were some emails we can get to we will read them of course and then we'll have your regularly scheduled Dynamite and Rampage reviews as well, so thanks everyone for listening we'll talk to you all again very very soon it's goodbye from me Barry, it is goodbye from Mr. Joe Towner goodbye, and of course it's also goodbye Goodbye.